this is episode 461 for April 2017, and you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Douglas, and that opening song is called, you guessed it, Crawl Space by Tarot. And if you'd like to hear the full YouTube video, we provide a link up on our message board at spidermancrawlspace.com. Just look for this episode number up on the message board, and you can hear it, and you can also discuss this episode in the comment section. Before we get to our show, I'd like to give a few thanks to some people that donated to help provide the, uh, the bandwidth costs and the website hosting for our podcast and our website. Since our last episode, we've had donations from Michael, Craig, Jovelle, Christopher, Mohammed, Richard, Eddie, Alexander, William, and Craig. So thank you guys for throwing some dollars into the pot. If you would also like to help for the, the bandwidth costs and the website hosting, log on to our front page at spidermancrawlspace.com and look for a button on the right-hand side that says support this site via PayPal. And you can also see where we are with our goal. Okay, gang, on with reviews. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our review episode. Let's introduce the panel. We've got Mike. What's going on, Mike? Oh, I'm first? You wow. are. I'm okay. leading with Mike. <laughs> what, first time for everything, I guess. Do I never lead with you? I'm leading now. No, this is the first time you've ever led with oh, me. Oh, wow. This is an honor. I feel honored. <laughs> oh, hugs all around. And we've got yeah. <laughs> JR. What's going on, JR? Well, um, I'm, we're going to review Amazing 25 uh, this this time around, and uh, I haven't gotten the. You guys haven't passed it around to me yet because it's so expensive. We all have to share it, so we're going to be passing it around and reviewing it. We only got one copy between the five of us. No doubt, you had to take a small loan for that ep- that issue. <laughs> and we and got- because it would take to ship it between people, it would it would pay it would cost way more. And we've got George. What's going on, George? <laughs> oh, not much. Uh, I've been doing a lot of fishing lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so right. good. Catch anything? So I can feed myself. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we have Ashley. What's going on? Uh, black cats like fish. Uh, that's my segue, Ashley. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sure lots of cats like fish, not just the black ones. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Zach. What's going on, Zach? Uh, trying to get so trying to get me a cheeseburger, but it's not working out. So you, well. Are you? I in the past in the past ten years, you've been in more locations of recording a podcast than any member. So tell the listeners where you are right now. I'm at Whataburger. You're in the uh, Whataburger drive-through with uh, ketchup only and cheese. Please. <laughs> He's literally ordering. I heard crickets in the background. Anybody want anything? Zach's buying evidently. <laughs> I want a no- Zach. I want a number two with bacon and cheese and mayonnaise only. Wow. Don't they have shakes there? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This episode of the Crawl Space thick- Podcast brought to you by Whataburger. They have thick ass shakes at the Whataburger. <laughs> thick ass shakes. That's on the menu, huh? And that's it. it- yep. Guest starring the staff at Whataburger. <laughs> and, hey, I, I told you that's why you wanted to introduce. And we, and we have uh, we have I Bob from Whataburger on the line reviewing episode issue number. And I'm just no, kidding. I literally would have been done ordering, but this asshole took like like ten minutes to. Like, whoa, 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 whoa! All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, let's uh, before we get started with our three issues, we're going to review. Wait, uh, did, did you uh, did you introduce Ashley? I did. I yeah, talked about did. cats. You did. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, he had the he had the fish crack that was really oh, Lord. Lord. <laughs> We're recapping oh, a right, show that's, that's right. two minutes long right. so far. <laughs> so uh, we know who doesn't have the memory of an elephant right now. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we have three issues we're going to review this episode. We have the clone, 
uh, I'm sorry, Clone Conspiracy Omega. We have ASM Volume 4, 25 and 26. Before we get to that, we have a uh, iTunes review, and we have Wait, an. E- do we not have? Do we not have a renew your vows? Oh, I'm sorry. We have renew your vows. That's Number... twice he's forgotten those. I know. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> renew your twice. vows. What is it? Five and six. Uh, yep. Imagine. I I imagine when we. Imagine yes. when we get that new core title that we haven't seen since you know you know the first year of this podcast back when Jr. was uh, not quite as old and, and That's uh, funny. I was and not, I was still I apologize. Not, not okay, let's old. get to the uh, the iTunes yeah, review. Yeah, back when your mom was only forty one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a true statement. iTunes review. We have one. It's we've only had one in two months, and this one is not very complimentary. So here we go. Uh, Mister Blaylock uh, gives us two out of five stars. Uh, the subject title is, I want to like this podcast. I really do, it says. Some episodes are not as bad as some of the reviews indicate. But then, we're, we're four and a half out of five stars at 149 ratings. Anyway, uh, some episodes are not as bad as some of the reviews indicate, but then there are some that are. As a longtime reader and collector, I don't always agree with story beats, character developments, or artistic decisions either. But too often, the crawl space is far too negative without being constructively critical offensive for seemingly no other sake than to be so, and for the life of me cannot understand how a 10-point grading scale works. As a veteran teacher, Brad is oh, the only... Get, yeah, we're getting into this one. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh Lord. As a veteran oh, yeah. teacher, Brad is the only one who seems to know how a grading scale works. Brad, you're 100% correct, and yes, that is an A all the way to 89.5. I really want wow. to... I really want I to like your podcast, but I would also like to still enjoy my favorite character at the end of the hour. Okay, <laughs> George. So would we, so, <laughs> George? Uh, you you showed me a graph of how you decide grading, and I I agree with it. Um, since yeah, our, since I, our, I finally, since our, I, I, and yeah. we've wrestled this before on the show, and, yeah. and and Brad's always Brad's always looked at it from an education standpoint. Right. When you're using an education scale, mm-hmm. and and this actually sparked a little bit of a of a back and forth on the uh, message board right. uh, from the last podcast. <clears throat> Here's the thing. When you're grading a comic book, you're not grading on an education scale. Mm-hmm. And edu- when, when these people are giving a 1 to 10, yeah. 5 is dead average. Right. All right? Average for education scale is a 70. Mm-hmm. Right. Not a 50. It has to be because it's, it's goddamn education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it was a 50, we'd have a nation of morons, which we're already you know, we're borderline. You could already oh, wait, argue wait, that. wait. Have we have we not talked about space safe spaces enough yet? Because no. Uh, so here's 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 what I wrote. Okay, that the the one to one hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, this is fine for school. You know, in an education system where where seventy and above. You know, seventy to seventy nine is a C. It's fine for school, but when applied to a scale of one to ten, it's not applicable. 1 to 100 is a percentage. 1 to 10 is not, although you can derive a percentage from it. Mm-hmm. The real problem is that to take a great percentage, you have to take the following key. A for excellent, B for above average, C for satisfactory, D for below average, and F for unsatisfactory. That, that's how they are. Brad, you mm-hmm. can back me up as an educator. Yeah, that's what they are. it is. That grade scale has a higher rate for what is considered passing or average performance mm-hmm. because without it, for grades, would be a 50%, which is unacceptable for educational standards. Right. With B being above average and D being below average, C as satisfactory is average but not in a literal sense. Yeah. On a scale of <clears> 1 <throat> to 10, which has no adjustment upwards to serve as an acceptable educational benchmark, dead average or the median is 5. 50, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you see – or on a scale of 1 to 10, it's 5. 
Mm-hmm. When you see people give something a five on a one to ten scale, they mean average in a very literal sense. Okay. And if they're meaning average, they mean that that for them is their C. I wonder why. Which, well, I wonder why education did the fifty or sixty and above is the grading scale. Like no, d- the, the, d- the grading scale. No, no, no. Education hmm. is graded one from a hundred. Right. Yeah. It absolutely is. It's just that anything below a seventy mm-hmm. is not acceptable. Seventy right. is, is is seventy is the standard. Seventy is yeah. what you have to have to show that to you, show that some you. sort of semblance of an understanding of the material, so you can move right. on. Right. Comics, you don't have to move on. They don't have to prove that they understand the source material because because trust me, some of the people doing it right now would have a real. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. I knew that but was you don't going. have that same standard. It's it, it, the two aren't compatible. Okay. And, and we, we had a lot of people say, no, Brad's exactly right. That's what it means. And I'm like, no, that's exactly not what it means. So it, it would it's not comparable when we give, say, an A to what a, a 1 to 10 scale is, right? Yeah. No, like okay. if we say something in A, we're saying on a 1 to 10 scale, it's 9 to 10. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. And it's the same thing as like when we interpret other sites and the re- reviews that they gave them. That's why I'm always saying, no, Brad, okay. it would be this. And you're like, no, you're high on crack. <laughs> <laughs> Until uh, I finally laid it out this way, and then you were like, "Oh, the, okay, I get the, it now." To, to, crack to, is very slimming, though. To also, so, so Mr. Blaylock, you're wrong. So another um, criticism is we don't aren't constructive critical. Critical. Do we not do pros and cons? I mean, we we well here's the, we, yeah. we do pros and cons, but yeah. if, even when you look at a lot of our negative reviews mm-hmm. on the podcast, what do they say consistently? That we're all negative. We never. No, no, no. What, what? do they say consistently? Anybody, <clears throat> anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. What they say consistently is that we do understand the material that oh, is being true. presented. That we and have we a do great deal the of knowledge and, and we understand the characters. We always give reasons. The problem with Cone Conspiracy <clears throat> is that it was so consistently suck ass for so long <laughs> that after a while, you're like, dude, this is. I mean, you, you get. You're beaten down by how many times you've had to say, this sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Dude, and this is bad. I you gave Clone Conspiracy an F, and if it brought back Ben Riley, my fa- my second favorite character behind Peter Parker, mm-hmm. I should have loved this story, <clears throat> and I yeah. absolutely detested it by the end. We always mm-hmm. point out what's 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 consistent with characters, what's not consistent with characters, what's being done purely mm-hmm. for story, ignoring characters. We we talk about all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and every show is not for everyone. So, Mr. Blaylock, if you don't like to review shows, we uh, are tend to be a little bit more positive on like Fight Club. Like we we don't pick a fight we hate. Uh, there's other shows that we. That, I've tried uh, making them making them do some clone clone fights, and then <laughs> Berryman won't Berryman won't let me do it. Oh. All right, uh, we have an email sent in to us. I don't read emails all the time, but this one stood out for me, and it was addressed to me and Jr. So this is from Jack. It says, Dear Brad, I find JR's commentaries on the podcast really knowledgeable, and his grumpy guy persona can be funny. I'm not expecting or asking you to do anything specific about what I'm about to say, but I wanted to say it. I find his put-downs of his wife and his contempt of marriage disturbing. I love my wife, and I really like it when I hear men... And I really dislike it when I hear men disrespect their wives. He's your longtime friend, so I'm not asking you to whack him, <laughs> whack whack on him or, or on him or anything. Uh, yeah, but I'm I wa- take you alive, betting you. But I wanted to give you a little feedback, and that's from Jack. So, what do you think, Jr.? Should I whack you? <laughs> I don't know. James Galdafini's already he, he tried that, and he's dead now. So, yeah. uh, oh, no. keep on believing, wow. baby. Wow. <laughs> Uh, 
All I can say is, uh, Jack, you don't know my wife. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, There's there's a reason that I say I'm not afraid of the devil because I married his sister. (laughs) Jack has clearly never watched The Honeymooners or The Flintstones or Archie Punker. Or married any, with children. Or any sitcom from the 70s or 80s. Did, before, did, we, before we got way too touchy as a society. You know, Fred loved his wife. Ralph Cramden loved his wife. Uh, who was the other one that you named? There was never oh, any doubt that he loved their, their Al wives. Al Bundy? Al Bundy yeah. loved Peg? I'm not, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm saying that with Al Bundy. No. Really? really? I, I thought he did. Anyway. I would say it with Homer Simpson, but I don't know that I'd say it with Al Bundy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, though. I have no idea how old this Jack is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this uh, this April, my wife and I will be celebrating, or actually commiserating, I suppose, <laughs> our uh, our uh, 28th uh, wedding anniversary. And uh, oh. it's kind of like I tell my Congratulations. I don't know. My, uh, it's kind of like I tell my kids, you know, because sometimes kids don't see their parents as well as you know as adults you know they just Mm -hmm. see them as mom and dad you know and i said you know what you know would would, would you spend a quarter of a century with your life with somebody (laughs) and you get back with me and tell me how that went (laughs) (laughs) all right somebody that got got divorced i couldn't even stand her for a year Wow. The marriage tips are free here. Wow, well, free for everyone. Everyone gets my hey, tips. Don't do it. But I, I know, no, JR, I, I know that JR wouldn't trade his kids for anything in the world. I just yeah. saw mine today for the first time in four, three months, thanks oh to the circumstances. Gosh. Wow. So I, I will tell you that the best thing that came out of it was my little girl. And yeah, hi, Gabby. When you're listening to this 20 years from now, <laughs> that's my daddy. All right, we've got uh, three reviews. I'm sorry, five reviews. Uh, first one, Zach. I did it a third time. I, I did it a third. You know why? Because I, I'm looking at the he's message try, board. He's trying to speed this thing up, but he's not. Gonna, I'm yeah, looking at the message to. board, and no. it didn't have the renew your vows that I added with Mike and Ashley. Zach, are you going to be able to do this while you're driving home? I do. The the Whataburger was literally right across the street from the hotel. Okay, so I, I'm, okay. I'm already back to the hotel. Okay, we're starting with you. We're leading with the wrap up of the Clone Conspiracy Omega. Zach, take me through it. Clone <laughs> Conspiracy Omega number one. Oh, not in a British accent. We react to that again. Oh, so no. Or, or, or what we really should have called it, which is Clone Conspiracy number six. But, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, so true. a new number one to it. So, uh, written, of course, by Mr. Dan Slott. And Crystal and, Cage. Yeah, oh, yeah, with the, with the no- with another unfortunate assist by uh, or fortunate or unfortunate assist by Christos Gage, depending yeah. on your perspective, I suppose. Uh, all right, so we're picking up where we left off. Now I, I'm going to kind of give it a little bit because it's been a while since we've done this. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, everybody's melted, and uh, everybody, uh, you know, Ben Riley did his face heel turn, and he became you know this dastardly villain that everybody uh, <coughs> hated. Yeah, that's what you were especially. wanting. You waited 20 years for that. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to quote myself. Remember the uh, I said I said after the, at the end of the first year Brandon Day I said I waited a year and thirty six issues for this for Harry Osborne I waited twenty years for this, this? <laughs> anyway um, sucks to be you <laughs> that ain't no shit I, I'm, I'm imagining right. G- uh, George is saying it twenty years later the clone conspiracy clone saga is still disappointing <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, anyway nevertheless. Um, so we're we're picking up where we left off at the end of Clone Conspiracy Five, 
And uh, so Peter is kind of assessing the aftermath. We've got Peter um, walking down with uh, <laughs> with the <clears throat> the uh, lab assistant that we'll get to later because we're going to be covering every single one of these stories because there's three stories on this one. Yeah. So um, nevertheless, he, he's walking down, kind of assessing the damage. We see Jerry because remember he's such an integral character to this entire entire subplot that we haven't <laughs> seen him for. <laughs> Four issues, five issues. Uh, basically, hello, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jer, Jer, we we learned that Jerry, um, you know, was in fact still alive and, and and didn't die. You know, melt into a pile of goo. And so, but he gets told that the stuff that Jerry had, he, he's still going to die. So, so the, this whole story was pointless. You know, what I mean. Anyway, uh, we then get. A, Get a phone call uh, via webware for Jerry's wife, you know, letting him know, hey, Jerry's alive. And she's like, oh, thank you, God. And then he's like, uh, it's not, it's, it's, he's terminal. You son of a, we're going to sue for you for everything you've got. <laughs> and uh, sounded like JR's wife for some reason yelling at him. Like, now Zach's going to get an ugly email. <laughs> uh, so, uh, nevertheless, you know, Peter's like, well, you know, I'm sorry. Anna Maria, you know, shows up and she's like you did the right thing you know she doesn't know what's going on and i do because i'm i'm anna maria marconi and i'm a genius anyway so um we then cut to uh, a confrontation a bit between kane and uh and peter oh excuse me i'm sorry uh the rhino starts attacking the, the entire starts tearing the place up and we're <laughs> um uh, Peter finally. Uh, sorry, I'm all over the place. Peter finally confronts Kane about not telling about the carrying virus mutating and more uh, being becoming more contagious than we've seen before. Peter asks if it was worth it, and Kane's response was really simple: "So the world's not overran by carrying zombies. So yeah, it was definitely worth it." Just as Peter's about to get physical with Kane, Art Modell shows up with Shield and begins to begins to clean up. Lizard takes the clones and Billy and Martha down into the sewer and gives them some lizard formula. <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> Kane, uh, lizard love. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, Kane asks Peter about Ben, and <laughs> Kane is really kind of pissed off. Some, he's understandably ups, up, upset with some uh, some actual nuance from Slot that I've ever, <laughs> that I have personally rarely seen. Uh, Kane tells Peter that it was because of Ben that he has a blind spot and is in denial. Spider Gwen then asks how Kane if that's if that's how Kane wants to leave with Peter, but Kane's like, it's Peter's call. Uh, he then tells Gwen, who's trying to get him back to Loom World, that he's going to be uh, so that we he can. Uh, that, oh, he tells Gwen that he's done being the Spider-Man version of DC's Legends of Tomorrow and that he's staying in the 616, oh, I'm sorry, Prime Earth, quote-unquote. <laughs> uh, Peter has a moment with Uncle Ben, who is still in his coffin and, and is the only one who wasn't brought back in the story when suddenly the rhino begins his angry power trip where he's destroying everything in his path, having his one-track mind. Peter fights and eventually finds a way to reason with him. He calms down. Moving forward, he gets arrest- he, he gets arrested willingly, and uh, Art Modell did some tests, and well, everyone's fine. So the uh, no, you know, nothing, no lingering side effects. So that way we can uh, go back to being in the status quo of suckage. We then have a final cut to the lizard in San Francisco, confirming what we mm-hmm. all knew that he gave uh, Billy and Lizard the lizard formula, and now they're lizard zombies as opposed to carrion zombies. Hmm. Home sweet home. home yeah, I want I want to know when the late. Uh, <laughs> Late owner of the Cleveland Browns and Baltimore Ravens uh, became a character in this story. Did I put Art Modell? 
Yes, yeah. you did. <laughs> uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes the story way more interesting. I mean, it gets a, a new wrinkle there. Well, you know, I mean, he was, he was a zombie himself. And yeah, so I was about to say, Art Modell was brought back from the dead by the carrier. <laughs> that would have been a more entertaining story, That's unfortunately, funny. than what we got. That's funny. Uh, but it would be, uh, sorry, Max Modell, not Art Modell. That was such a Freudian slip. Well, well done, JR, for pointing that out. Do you want to you uh, give course. pros and cons of the main story and then do the backup separate, or you want to do it all yeah, together? Yeah, let's, let's do, let's okay. do you know, Do you know who would have been most shocked about yeah. uh, about Art Modell being Max Modell? Art Modell's wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what's, still, like, involved what's your grade, sir, on that one? Uh, all right, so I'm going to give this a C. Okay. Um, or excuse me, I'm giving it a B, and I'll tell you why. Oh, a B. I, this was uh, you. You were yeah, an F last issue, weren't you, or something like that? Yeah, I, I, I gave an F last issue. Um, I, I'll tell you. After complaints that the end of the wasn't really the end, and and the ASM was it was just a waste. It was nice to kind of see a true blue ending to this issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty rushed, and and it's almost too tidy. Uh, it did address a lot more in the elephants in the room. I think the the moment. I think what really elevated this, and it's a catch twenty two for me because it really was about just a testament to the amount of bullshit that that the uh, scene with Rhino in the previous two issues was. <laughs> I'm not touching that because I'm a dick, mm-hmm. Peter Parker. Where where <laughs> yeah, where in this issue he actually behaves. I don't know in character. And is sympathetic and empathetic towards Rhino, mm-hmm. you know, and and so that that really brought it up for me because it felt like that I was reading an actual Spider-Man comic for the first time in a long time. Yeah, um, uh, we are beginning to see the seeds being planted for the downfall of Parker Industries, which we'll get to that obviously in the next story. But, um, you know, it, it, this has been a slow burn for 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 Parker Industries. I mean, auto manipulated the markets. Zodiac being a major major financier. The problem is, is that they're not. Hopefully, when they do get to this point, they'll they'll bring all these things up because otherwise, if it's just what they're trying to set up or was the next couple of issues, uh, it, it kind of it's kind of stupid the way they're doing it there. Right. Um, characterization of Kane was really on spot, uh, really spot on. Uh, Kane had every reason to distrust that Ben isn't dead, and the motivations are very clear. Mm-hmm. For him in the in the Ben Riley series, it's a bit of a role reversal that kind of intrigues me, and I think that's part of the reason that I'm giving this as high of a high of a grade for this story, because I the the the, the role reversal is is that um, Kane's the good guy hunting the bad guy of Ben. In the past, it was Kane hunting Ben, but Kane was legitimately the bad guy, and, and Ben just wanted to be left the hell alone. So. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what Peter David does with that. Mm. Uh, the lizard stuff was the only thing that brought it down from being an A, uh, okay. and and the rhino really was the MVP. Okay, that sounds like your pros and cons all in one. Yeah, sorry. Okay, it's all good. <clears throat> um, any thoughts on uh, the two backups? Uh, give us a wink. I, I'll I'll do the give us a wink because that's obviously the one that obviously I'm going to be <clears throat> really the, yeah the Peter David one yeah. uh, and Bagley. Yeah. All right, uh, give us a wing. Story opens with the not-so-good Dr. Rita Clarkson at her favorite watering hole. She's approached by a man in a hat, sunglasses, and a Deadpool t-shirt. It's the new uh, Ben Riley. <laughs> he asks for money and explains that he needs to run. She isn't uh, ready to comply until two men from New U- who New You helped are ready to exact their revenge. 
Ben saves her by dispatching the men, but he takes one of the assailant's hoodies. Of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she then gives him a bag of money and kisses her for reasons. He tries to explain that to her that he had contracted the contracted the men uh, that he was using for the attack to help convince her to help, and she thinks he's joking. Uh, newsflash, he's not. The attacks nearly confirm this. Uh, he then exits stage right until next month, hmm. which is this month. So, Makes you want to read it or not? Uh, yeah, this is a C. Okay. Yeah, definitely a C. My, it's um, any pro, for, pros or cons? What you got? Pro, oh, pros is, is Mark Bagley's artwork. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Bagley can can draw Spider-Man drunk, and I'll probably like it. So, um, yeah. Mark Bagley was definitely the pro, the pro on this one. Yeah. What What did you not like about it? Uh, as a setup for a new series, this falls far short of its goal. Hmm. The only the only in character part of this for Ben Riley is running away as he did in Lost Years. Mm-hmm. Um, his outright manipulation of Rito is both uh, interesting and stomach turning at the same time, more towards the stomach turning side, and um, her trust in Ben. Like Rita is, so, she's such a she's such a plot device, not even a character in this thing. Yeah, her trust of Ben is such that I, I just like just the way he goes about it. And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, even, does it seem out of character to your favorite second favorite character? Uh, absolutely. Is, it, is that the biggest the, flaw? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, the, <clears throat> the, 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 ben Riley wouldn't manipulate somebody willingly to manipulate somebody. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's not Ben Riley. <laughs> I know, right? It's not Ben Riley. I, you could read a whole article that I wrote uh, <laughs> on the front page about how I basically come to the come to the real. It's like yeah. it's like as you read the article, it's like, oh man, he's coming to the realization. It's Zach Zach was having therapy on the front page. <laughs> yes, it was. Space. It's like somebody had an intervention for you. Recently. That's true. <laughs> and, and we've got a uh, one, two, three, four, four page backup uh, setting up real, King's favor real quick. Yeah, King King's favor. Uh, Kingpin repays Spider-Man's debt by giving him information on Norman Osborn. He needs a win, and that's and now they're all square. It's like he never shot his aunt. <laughs> <laughs> that's well that's epic. That's epic. Do you think he even remembers he shot his aunt, or did the Who right the f knows anymore? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did back in black it. even happen? It did, but it didn't. Oh yeah. Oh, one more pro about the main story, right quick. I I, I forgot to mention the uh, the artwork by uh, Corey T. Smith was a lot like Jim Chung, and that was a good thing. Corey T. Smith. I almost thought it was. Yeah, that was the guy that did the first story. Oh. Okay. Uh, and because uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Immerman in her second. Holy but, cow! That isn't that that is different art, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's different. A, it looks. It, oh, I didn't even notice that. It looks just like the main mini. Yeah, well, that's yeah. maybe that's kind of the point. That's kind oh, of the point. I thought actually. I didn't even. Yeah. I honestly yeah. didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't Jim Jung. Wow. So, so he did a really good job. It's uh, almost mm-hmm. like he's a clone <laughs> of the other <laughs> artist. <laughs> yep. Wow, but, uh, that's really good. Wow, yeah. I did not know so. I, I give I give the, this little three page story a C plus. Okay. It's like Stuart Immerman's good, but the rest of it's like yeah. really. But it, George almost wants me bring, wants to makes me want to bring it down to like a D because yeah. that, that's a really great point. Well done, George. You're okay, welcome. Let's go around the horn for grades on this one. We've got Zach with C for the main story, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Jr. What's your grade on this one? I gave it a D. A D. George. 
D. Mike. Uh, C all around. Okay. Ashley. Triple F. Triple F. Whoa. Wow. Lowest grades of the panel. Uh, I did not like this one. I was going to give it like a D plus, I guess. It was not worth five bucks, I'll tell you right now. Uh, uh, Let's see. Pros. What did anybody like about Zach kind of talked about his pros and cons. Let's hear from the rest of you guys. I agree with Zach about Mm -hmm. uh, Kane being probably the best character in this whole thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty much. Uh, because um, and also I kind of also agree with the idea of the art art by uh, Corey T. Smith here. Um, he does a very good job kind of replicating uh, Jim Shun's style in a lot of places. No doubt. And so I think part maybe that's part of the reason why he was probably picked to picked to do this um, do kind of the 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 actual epilogue for this thing. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and I also did actually like um, I was kind of really down on this first story until we got to the Rhino uh, fight, which I thought that was definitely the highlight of the thing. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. um, and wow! And speaking of, as soon as oh, that's probably Zach just getting out of his car. And, Sorry, uh, I thought I was. That's on right. <laughs> well, actually, it's appropriate because it sounds like Rhino basically busting through furniture, and, and <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a great segue right there. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you're, wel- which, you're welcome. You're welcome for the sound effects. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, in that's in that sense, I think that that's those are the those are the strong points uh, for the first story, anyway. Right. Um, Any, I mean, the the back two are so small. Anything else about? Back um, two? Yeah, mainly I just I think it just Bagley's art on the on the yeah. second story. Um, I think Eminem is also pretty good. I'm not, I, but although I wasn't too crazy about the way he illustrates Kingpin with that all white, you know, looks like it's not it's not it doesn't look he doesn't look quite finished. Well, you know, it Ramita Ramita Jr. did a lot of that back in um yeah. when he was working on the title with uh, I guess what what was that under Stern, JR? Uh that's it. Yeah. There was it. like a Ramita Jr. used to draw him with like that the Kingpin with like that solid white kind of thing. Uh, like I don't know. I I was thinking I was thinking he drew the Kingpin uh the the Kingpin wore other colored suits as well. I was thinking of the scene mm-hmm. with him in the the um the the hobgoblin series, but I'm thinking I, I, like amazing two forty nine, like the hob, kingpin's like hovering behind him mm-hmm. on the cover. Mm. Yeah, because uh, the, the way he draws that, it looks like I mean, there's point, points where 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 when you're when the kingpin's eating his little dumplings, it looks like his hand is like floating. <laughs> <laughs> like it's kingpin like the dumplings. Hey, yeah, you know his, what? When when I eat dumplings, I feel like I'm floating. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. feel like the kingpin after I get loaded with dumplings. Um, <laughs> Uh, what, any other pros? We heard some from Mike. Anybody else? I, I got one. Okay, go ahead. And it, this is what saved it from being an F for me. Okay. Um, you know, you've heard me talk uh, about this idea before about how every now and then a villain should have moments where it's like at least possible that they could be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On but- some level, you know, usually we bring it up with Sandman. Right. Uh, here, this was the, and I, I give Slot a lot of credit for this. And this has been my favorite part of the uh, of the entire clone conspiracy, although that wasn't hard because most of it was ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that moment when he calms Rhino down mm-hmm. and has and talks down and talks him down from the ledge, kind of, and then yeah. has him has him go to jail willingly, and he says, "Hey, man, I'll come and check on you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Rhino's like, "Good, then I can see how you're doing too." And I was like, "Damn it, you just yes." Yeah, that was yes. nice. Mm-hmm. It was a nice. Moment. If if Slot's writing could be that consistently good, you know, I would be I would be in heaven. But mm-hmm. well, but that was a very huh. We we did have Mister Gage assisting in with this one too. 
Yeah, so, that's true. You know? That's true. But I mean, that for you know whoever did, that was a really good. Yeah. That was it, a really it was a good, good character moment, and it was in it, character. It, really was. it was in character was, of the rhino. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. legitimately touched by that. And also, it kind of follows up on on the stuff that Joe Kelly did with his, especially with his rhino stories, because that's mm-hmm. this is definitely the kind of almost like the um, yeah. resolution of that. Like we, because rhinos finally finally finished yeah. that whole arc involving his wife with the, by the end of this thing, right. you can kind of tell that. So that's. And see that these and to me as a longtime Spider-Man fan, these little these little moments give Spider-Man kind of a glimmer of hope. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like with the Sandman and with the Rhino, he's like maybe one day some of these people will can, will can stop change, and maybe they can change, and maybe you know, and then everybody benefits. Yeah, you know, so I I, I really did like that. Mm-hmm. All right, any other pros? Okay, let's move to the cons. What what lowered the grade for? I want to hear Ashley since she was so brutal. <laughs> I was she say, was brutal. Justify. Um. Well, first of all, one thing that really bothers me when I'm reading anything is character inconsistency, especially when it happens immediately. So I know you know it's one of Peter's quirks that he tends to blame himself and overly take responsibility, but. When he's taking responsibility and feeling responsible and blaming himself for others' lack of accountability, it's not going to elicit sympathy from your audience. You're going to think, damn, what a fool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Wouldn't be I'm the first really time sick. with this book. Yeah, I'm getting really sick of him trying to take ownership of other people's problems. So for yeah. what happened here in the clone conspiracy, everyone's like, oh, I'm so devastated. I lost my loved one. But I'm like... I think Kingpin is the only one who really got it right. He's like, no, this is a complete bastardization of someone I love. This isn't them. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Else is going around like, oh my god, you know, this is so terrible. I'm like, well, you did it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Sorry. King, yeah, Kingpin did the right thing right off the bat, like early on. Exactly. And just, yeah, just and, snapped uh, her neck. I, I, no, I'm going to disagree with that. And as much as as much as I. I I understand your point, Ashley. Is mm-hmm. if if you had lost somebody very close to you, and it was just this absolutely soul-crushingly devastating event that's happened. I've had that happen to me. Um, and they suddenly came back in your life, mm-hmm. and they didn't have the the ailments that that ailed them, and and they were supposedly free from all of that. Yeah, it'd be you. You very quickly would want to. You'd buy uh, into it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you're also very calculating and you know it's bullshit, in which case you just snap your 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 non-wife's neck. No, yeah. Not, not everybody can be as cold as the kingpin, you know. Well, yeah. well I definitely, I definitely get that. Mm-hmm. What really didn't hit home with it for me is that um, just the, the complete lack of accountability on their end afterwards. Just you know yeah. the right. Like with the the one woman that Peter was talking to in the very beginning, she's blaming him. But I'm like, you are complicit in this as well, right? And just a complete lack of accountability, and that bothers me. But anyways, my main point was, you know, we see Peter blaming himself for this, and like, oh, this is all my fault. And then suddenly, within like half a panel, he's suddenly like, Kane, this is all your fault. Why didn't you tell us? I'm like, well, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. So that immediately brings it down for me. Just things like that kind of peeve me. Well, well, going um, off of... Just, okay. just, oh, I don't know if just, just having Peter be a dumb character, essentially. Yeah. Not not yeah, true... The, yeah. Well, that that's month to month. 
yeah. blatant <laughs> inconsistency like that just kind of we, we, really we see that all the time whoa mm-hmm. yeah well, uh, going off of going off of Ashley's point, um, I think mainly the, the I can understand um, why Jonah and the Rhino would feel this way about their respective wives and everything because they've never experienced clones before, and so mm-hmm. they feel for that to them they feel like oh that this is the first time that we've actually feel that for them it does feel like that they've kind of lost the person all over again, but in Peter's case, that's where I have, I think where I find the problem with this because prior to this he's all. He's basically was saying stuff about Squeezy Bake, like, "Oh, you're just another Gwen clone." You know, I've I've met Gwen clones before and everything. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, he's now thinking, "Oh no, I lost Gwen all over again." And we never really got that transition of how he ch- changed his mind. And so as a result, it I I kind of feels like this. And as we go into later about how he feels like, "Oh, I need a win. I need a win." That you know, and all this stuff. I really and and uh, it it feels kind of that that part now. It kind of feels false now that his his sense of grief and blaming himself and everything. That's. That to me, it doesn't it doesn't really ring true because we never mm-hmm. really got we never really saw how he got to the point he is in this story because clearly this is what Slot kind of was aiming for with the end of Clone Conspiracy that mm-hmm. Peter would have this kind of change of heart about um, the Gwen about about Gwen's clone but we never really got saw how that happened and also with regards to the. Um, uh, Jer- uh, Jerry's wife there saying she's going to sue Parker so, sue Parker Industries. It's like, why does she sue New You? They're the ones who actually did all this. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, w- I want to clarify, you know, I don't want to be like dismissive of these characters' grief. Oh, I don't right, think yeah. that's insincere. What mm-hmm. I feel falls really short is that we're supposed to feel sympathy for these characters and be like, oh no, they're lost. And I just can't feel that when they are clearly mm-hmm. complicit in this entire thing and no right. one's... You don't ever see the any acknowledgement on their end of like, oh my god, I helped cause this. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. it feels really one-dimensional. So that was a big thing, and then um, just how everything wrapped up, the thing with the Lizards family in the end, I'm like, okay, whatever. And yeah, then that, was, the, uh, that was really, that was laughable. That the, was kind of, <laughs> what, that was that was insane. <laughs> that was, it was ridiculous in the sense that... It I, was almost you know, B-movie. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and we're supposed to take it seriously, which, oh, no, and it's by, not happened. By the and way, George, you know that. By the way, George, you know that there's an extra chair. Notice the extra chair is there. So maybe that's for Sagron or Iguana, one or the other, so they can get that. <laughs> what? I'm looking, looking at the extra chair. Isn't that, that, that just the, the lizard's uh, chair? What, Brad? Isn't that just the lizard's chair where he's going to sit eventually? Let me look at that. Well, well, I mean, no, I mean, I'm saying because last time I said that the lizard's oh. going to form the new Fantastic Four with himself and, and, and Sagron. That's funny. Or, oh, God. <laughs> That's so. funny. JR, let's that hear from some, but... some of your cons. JR, you gave it, a, what, a D, I think? Yeah, I gave it a D. I mean, yep. there's a number of things I didn't like about it. And frankly, I, uh, uh, my opinion's uh, rather akin to Ashley's. I, I can't believe any of these people were so effing stupid to fall for any of this. Right. Um I mean, you know, yeah, I've lost somebody, too. And if he suddenly showed up again 16 years later, I think the first thing I would do would be run for the hills. I mean, it's like, no, this doesn't happen, you know, and something is seriously, seriously wrong here. And for Spider-Man, I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, it's it's like no one ever read the monkey's paw. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, uh, you know, these things don't happen. You know, I mean, right. you don't get a second bite of the apple. You know, I guess you do if you're a superhero or supervillain, but I don't know. But, you know, and then for Peter to buy any of this bullshit that, you know, Gwen or Captain Stacy were really back. I, 
you know, it's just utterly, utterly ridiculous. And uh, the, the the wife screaming and claiming she's going to sue Parker Industries. You know, well, I'm sorry you were stupid enough to buy into it, too. Um, <laughs> the other stories, you know, more ads for the ongoing Scarlet Spidey Spider-Man series is what that second story was. Yeah. I don't care because I'm not going to pick it up. And the third story, I am sick of the effing kingpin. Mm. You know, it's like he rises, he falls, he rises, he falls. You know, and it's like he's never any worse for wear. You know, <laughs> it's tiring. It really is tiring to see this character can, you know, either leave him where he is or get rid of him. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's a very it's a boring character. Um, you know, I'm, you know, and, uh, you know, like <laughs> you're really he shouldn't even want to be in the same room with Spider-Man. Spider-Man cleaned his clock. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like I, the Kingpin should be scared to death of him. You know, it's like, yeah. holy cow, this guy came within an inch of killing me and he wasn't even breaking a sweat. Doesn't that teach you something? You know, no, the Spider-Man is not a guy you want to mess with anymore. Go back to messing with Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I, just, I mean, honestly, it's like it's like the people who are writing these have. I feel like they've never read a comic book before. Yeah. Did yeah, uh, anyway? That's it. Did Did that's no one did, did no one else notice? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you, Joff. No, end. I was about to say I, that's all I got. <clears throat> did no one else notice that this uh, Rita Clarkson got the. Uh, Got the Dr. Kafka, Amanda Waller treatment in the same issue? Oh, yeah. That she suddenly lost weight? She literally lost, like, <laughs> within, like, hours or days. She loses, like, yeah. what, that 40, 50 pounds. Oh, yeah. That did it. And, yeah, and that, then it's suddenly, like, plausibly attractive in the next story. Yeah, and she's like, it's almost like, yeah, it's a different hairstyle and everything else. It's like, yeah, and this is supposed to be. And, and by the way, why isn't she arrested? She's still like walking around, apparently free and everything like this, even though she's complicit in this big in this in this big giant thing about you know basically involving you know kidnapping people essentially and and you know against you know housing them in their little storage locker and stuff. But nope, she's just walking around all free and everything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I could get missing a story detail if you're an editor because just because mm-hmm. of there's so many damn bloated pages in this crossover thing and this yeah. this event thing, but visually. Mm-hmm. How did how did Nick Lowe not notice that this gal went from being frumpy and and you know kind of you know and, and overweight to suddenly being you know like I said like halfway attractive <laughs> in the next issue and look like 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 she lost a person? Well, Nick Lowe, <laughs> Nick Lowe, an editor is kind of an oxymoron at this point, actually. So I mean, but because he because if you notice, because there's a lot of times where there's been, there's been a lot more kind of mistakes under his watch. In these comics, like the, the things like you talk about, and also grammatical stuff that keep popping up, that he does mm-hmm. that for some reason just keeps escaping these guys' attention all the time, which is right. kind of like someone's yeah. asleep at the wheel, man. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, they are. I mean, George, George, any other cons before we move on? No, well, I mean, okay. it, we we could spend an hour talking about the cons yeah. and, of this whole, you know, but what, I mean, we've already covered so many what, of them. One already. con, one con out of me. I don't understand why we had another one, issue one. I mean. For money, Brad. Oh, yeah, it's, it's total. Money. The same issue they follow this with with like a ten dollar book. Yeah, <laughs> because first the, because the official five yeah. issues were uh, were so padded out that they they realized oh we mm-hmm. actually have to have the ending tacked on we have to t- put the yeah. ending on so weird ending on this. So, There's so absolutely weird. zero none zero justification to do this from a creative standpoint. All it was yeah. done for was to put a number one on it and make and, and try to sell more copies of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of going for another cra- cash grab, we're going to uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 25, which has, 
I this is the first time I think a Spider-Man book has been ten bucks. The amazing title is that. Am I correct in that assumption? For just a single issue. For just a single yeah. issue. I, I don't remember it's not that a ever happened. Edition or some kind of trade paperback. Right. I think uh, the closest was seven ninety nine. Mm-hmm. What was that one? Seven hundred. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. George, you've got the ten dollar issue. Was this worth? A, was worth and, and, this worth the Hamilton huh? bill? Oh God, no. <laughs> uh, and and also shame shame on me and mm-hmm. shame on any of us and shame on anyone listening who bought this thing mm-hmm. because it, was it turned the, out this yeah. this uh, how many variants did this thing have? Oh, who knows? But it was the um, number one selling book. This of the had month. like about this had like I think it had like about. Uh, officially, it had like about four or five, and not not counting all those other special ones from different comic book shops. But yeah, it was okay. Well, between that, we made this what like the top seller of the month. I think it was mm-hmm. yeah. best selling comic book at of least, the month, at least for Marvel. I don't know if it was overall. No, it was overall. Yeah, it was. It was. And, it, um, it, it led in unit and dollar share. And basically, what we just told Marvel is that we're okay with overpriced ten dollar issues. That have a bunch of little cutesy things tacked on in the end that matter f all in the overarching scheme of things. It's true. Um, I don't so, disagree with that at all. So, so when we start seeing these, we have no button to blame but ourselves. Yeah. Because, because believe me, they're going to do it again, and they're going to do it again and again. Especially since they've already said they're not going to do events. And by events, they mean we're not going to do company-wide crossovers. You're still going to get shit like Clone Conspiracy and Spider-Verse. Those will still happen like within the individual heroes, but you're not going to get another event for, what, 18 months, I think they said recently? Right. Yeah, prepare. Prepare for the $10 you know, reapening. That's, that's the thing that's going to start happening more and more now. Yep. Anyway, uh, so Amazing 25. Uh, the main story, The Osborne Identity Part 1, Bug Hunt by Dan Slott and Stuart Eminen. Uh, and I'm going to go through this really quickly, cool. Uh, because I also have to cover the backup stories, which are marginal. Uh, Spidey and Shield go after Norman Osborn after a tip from the Kingpin, as we just saw, uh, which we see another flashback here in this issue. And I'm like, why do we need to see what we just saw? But oh well. In case no one bought Omega, you know that, that's <laughs> buying this issue, they didn't buy Omega. But when, you know, you've got to pad it to get the, you know, to make it worth ten dollars. Anyway, uh, he gets a tip from the Kingpin, goes after Osborne along with uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. And by S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean Mockingbird, uh, the new Tarantula. What's the other one? Devil Spider? Devil Spider, yeah. And um, and they bust up a criminal ring. This country, is it in Central or South America? Did they ever say? I missed it. It's supposed to be like, well, it's it's basically pseudo Columbia, basically, essentially. What it is. Okay, so but, South America. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> They bust up the criminal ring uh, of an arms dealer and they, uh, who Osborne has disguised himself as. Osborne has disguised himself to look like this guy. So they're going after the actual guy, and his name is El Facaro or Facacaro. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Sounds like you're cussing. It means the warthog. Yeah, oh, my. It means the war- okay, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that an assassin is after the same target. Now, while they take down this base, uh, Osborne himself, with the guy's face – Monitors the entire fight uh, and then decides to change his face again because he because, you know, he's now not only uh, the Green Goblin. He's also the chameleon. Yeah. Yeah. So so true. anyway, uh, Peter visits Uncle Ben's grave, uh, talks about meeting the Stacys again, which he didn't do. Because they weren't real. They weren't the Stacys are in the ground, Peter. Um, stops by Aunt Mays, who's hosting Norman uh, Stanley. Stanley, of course, is the new kid in Betty. Uh, Betty is seeking spiritual guidance after getting a call from Ned, which of course, you know, 
she doesn't realize was a clone. Right. And uh, and Peter doesn't. And of course, that makes Peter feel extra guilty um, because everything feels you know feel, makes Peter feel extra guilty. If he if he steps on a uh, empty plastic bottle on the way to Aunt May's, he's going to feel guilty. Oh God, you know, what did I just do? <laughs> um. So after that, Peter and Mockingbird jump on a plane to Hong Kong to hunt Norman Osborn. Uh, Peter asks Mockingbird out and immediately gets cock-blocked by Aunt May and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Aunt May and Harry didn't know were sitting behind him on an international flight for hours. <laughs> when I saw this and Peter was shocked, what are you doing here? I'm like, she – the two of them are literally sitting behind you on a flight to another country. You all bo- probably boarded together. <laughs> you never once noticed the woman that raised you and your best friend. <laughs> was ever. behind you. Oh. Anyway. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, Peter puts on his spider extremist armor. Uh, and then he and Mockingbird shake down local criminals trying to find Osborne. Uh, Peter feels bad fighting Asians. In Asia, and he has a laughable, stupid moment with Mockingbird talking about how he feels bad about beating up Asians, and he's more of an equal opportunity ass beater. That that really was out. Wow, yeah, Mm -hmm. that really wow. When I was writing notes, it was very strange. Well, I mean, it's 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 Slot putting himself into the character again. Yeah, although oddly, it's Slot chiding himself in the roundabout sense. For being maybe too sensitive, uh, I actually wrote out when I was writing notes for this. I actually wrote a F, you know wrote out FFS, <laughs> you know FSA side yeah. this. Yeah. Anyway, they found out uh, Osborne is actually headed to the Uncle Ben Foundation event, and Silver Sable is, or the assassin is trying to kill Norman Osborne with a sniper rifle. Spidey stops her and yells out, "Female sniper!" Totally assuming the assassin's gender. Crossing so many lines. What an asshole. <laughs> was so oh, somewhere the so, somewhere the social justice warriors are uniting. Oh man. I was so I was so uh, triggered and I had to go on Tumblr for comfort. <laughs> anyway, uh Spidey uses his electro webbing to zap the shooter and then finds out it's Silver Sable, who chides him immediately for, for saying you know, for stopping him from killing Norman Osborne. So wait a minute. Spider Man has a problem beating up Asians, but he has no problem beating up women. Yeah. Apparently not. All the same issue. Limits. That's there's your good news for Mister Negative. Mister Negative will be glad to know that you're jackass. Wow. His very first created character was Asian. He has Asians. In Marvel Team Up, when Spidey and Black Widow and Nick Fury and Shang Chi. <laughs> took on like uh, like Madam Hydra and Silver Samurai. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know that at some point Peter went home and cried about having to go up against Silver Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, the next story is Police and Thieves by Christos Gage and Todd Knock. And hey, Todd Knock. I love Todd Knock. Yeah. Knock, ladies and gentlemen. He was a nice interview too several years ago. Todd Knock, if yes. you've never met him at a convention, he is genuinely one of the nicer dudes you could hope to meet. He he has an active Facebook page too. Uh, he he, I don't know if he's done it recently, but he used to do uh, Facebook live drawings, and he used to get like a post it, yeah. and he would do like yeah. face shots and stuff like that. Just a really talented guy. I wish he would. Uh, I, I speaking wish of more people would sing his praises. On, yeah, speaking of talented artists on Facebook, anybody follow Ron Friends? Oh yes, Ron Friends wow. has been posting left and right. But yeah, Todd Knock. 
Fair, yeah, Todd Knock, uh, wonderful guy, and I'm glad to yeah. see him getting uh, getting some Marvel work here. What is is he is he doing nothing monthly? No, he's no. He, this he, is, his this last is like, monthly book was Nightcrawler with Chris. Claremont. What the hell is wrong with this planet? Well, <laughs> honestly, I think he does a lot of Marvel commercial work in in like the characters that you see in like like uh, there's like five minute Spider Man stories, and he did the whole book. Because, dude, I, I, I tell you, I, I, I went to the comic book store uh, this month to pick up some things, and I'm flipping through a lot of stuff that I hadn't seen before, and a lot of it from Marvel. You know, I don't normally talk about art. Mm-hmm. You know, because what I usually say about art is it's not my style. They're professional artists. It's just not my thing. No, a lot of it is is like is like it would be really solid black and white indie stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, remember I was looking at the Power Man and Iron Fist, and I was like, "What the hell is this? Why isn't Todd not doing Power Man and Iron Fist?" Oh, that's right, because Marvel doesn't think that artists drive sales. Mm-hmm. Remember, we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Anyway, that'll uh, be that'll be the next show. <laughs> anyway, uh. um, so police and thieves, Christos Gage and Todd Knock, Spidey tries to stop Clash, everyone's favorite villain, yeah. not uh, stealing from Roxxon, and winds up fighting Clash and Parasite from Superman. <laughs> uh, Sp- Spidey finds out Roxxon. Doing cybernetic experiments on animals, Clash uses the loot to pay for animals to go to a no-kill shelter because, of course, he does. <laughs> uh, then Spider-Man sum up. I guess that's how you say that. It's sum 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 sum. Instead of team up, it's oh, Spider-Man sum up. It's sum up. Yep, sum sum. Yep. Sure. And, I just uh, saw just, it. I, I just saw them in the uh, Disney outlet store today. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're these little characters. Or yeah, that, sure. Okay. <laughs> There's, there, I don't. I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, what? WTF? Am I seeing this? Why did this? <laughs> you paid for anyway, it, buddy? <laughs> it's Jacob uh, Chabot and Ray Anthony Height. Spidey teams up with some sort of pig tube toy <laughs> that, <laughs> that mimics his own powers to take down White Rabbit and her power armor. Power <laughs> White Rabbit uh, very much reminded me here of uh, Diva, uh, Ashley. Really? From Overwatch? No. Well, I mean, she has a giant. Suit of armor. That's about it. I mean, I was just, you know, I was trying to include you, and in, in, you know, never mind. I, I, I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> um, I can't imagine Diva with bunny ears, not like that, <laughs> or a red wig. But okay. And so, uh, and 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 so that's pretty much the sum of that story. Sum sum. Ha ha. Ha ha. Get it? <laughs> but, um, yeah. Wow. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, the next story is "Pay Up" by James Asmus and uh, Tana Ford. Spidey fights a throwaway villain duo, Aftershock and Ember, uh, and defeats them with electro-webbing, just like he did earlier, because he's also electro now, the same way that Norman Osborn is coming. Dr. Chang reminds Spidey that all the financial losses will ruin Parker Industries. Mm. That's it. I mean, that's literally all I have for that. That's some Uh, – I do not care for that art. Oof. uh, Mutt to do about nothing by Hannon Blumenreich, which a lot of people were excited for. Why? Mm -hmm. Because she's actually because she is actually does uh, noted for doing a Spider-Man fan comic that oh. has actually gotten quite a vote. It's actually it's, it's actually pretty it's it's kind of not it's actually pretty well done in terms of like it's just kind of mostly Peter Parker centric and everything. It's where, actually pretty good. Where it, where is it? I've never heard of it. Um, it's I believe I can give you I can probably I'll look for it and can probably provide you the link for it. But okay. I mean it's just basically I think it's just um I forgot but it's um but yeah she's got her own page and everything. Okay. So I mean it's what's a, it called? So, you know. Uh, but just like um, I think it's 
Um, let me see. I gonna have to look up, look it up, and I'll probably um, I'll find it eventually. Okay, but, uh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Sorry, I just that was news to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, by Hannon Blumenreich, um, and the artwork is fine. Uh, yeah. I don't know why Peter has to be like a like a twelve year old Archie Andrews. He's got red hair and yeah, freckles, yeah, freckles or something. Uh, <laughs> but it's called Much to Do About Nothing. Spider-Man finds a stray dog, uh, names him Sandwich after a, dumpster, after a dumpster sandwich that he feeds the dog. Because that's how you show respect an animal. You name it after this thing that you've pulled out of trash <laughs> uh, for it to eat. Anyway, uh, Spider-Man finds a stray dog but can't keep him due to Aunt May's house lease. Because, sure, Aunt May, they, they lease a house. <laughs> that seems strange to me. I'm like, what? Okay. Sure, but then May gets Peter a fish, and he names it May. That's literally, <laughs> that's literally the story. Yeah. Uh, Amazing Spider Ant by Cal Atkinson. Aunt May beats ass. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, this is this is my notes on this, and it's a little cartoon, one one page kind of thing, or double. It's like a double page spread. Yeah. Uh, literally, my notes were Aunt May beats ass, compatible with canon. <laughs> she took on because, Galactus. Remember. Because Aunt May has remember that one time she uh, she uh, she poisoned uh, Chameleon yeah. with the cookie. Remember, that was remember one of the most raw things I've ever seen Aunt May do. And she and was, was the like, golden oldie. Remember that? Yeah. And she, and, uh, yeah. and then uh, the last story, Superior Octopus by Slot and uh, Giuseppe Camincoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, Otto reclaims one of his former hideouts from Hydra, meets Arnim Zola, and agrees to work for Hydra. Translation: uh, We are getting the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon brought to, brought into our six one six universe. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, for the store for the grades, uh, the Osborne identity, the main story, I gave a D. Okay. Um, Police and Thieves by Crystal Gage and Todd Knock, I gave a C plus. The art really saves that because the story yeah. is who cares? Who show of hands? And by hands, I mean just say yes or no. I mean, really, who cares about Clash? Anyone? Nobody. I don't. You mean discount? You mean discount shocker? I mean, Dan so, Slott, so, so, but does anyone so else slot one? <clears throat> slot wanted a royal check. It's it's slightly better than Alpha. Hmm. I, I, folks, if 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 you're if you're someone who just craves Clash, like you can't get enough of this character, let us know. Because I don't think I don't think these people actually exist. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think anyone's clamoring for Clash. Anyway. Uh, the uh, the Spider Man sum up. I gave a D. WTF is this doing in my Spider Man? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, pay up by James Asmus and Tana Ford, where Spidey fights the uh, villain duo. Where the Brad didn't like the artwork, I gave it a D. Yeah. Again, this is just so. Oh yes, Parker Industries is not doing well financially. Seriously, we're getting it in the other stories. We we know. Yeah. Uh, much to do about nothing. Uh, was cute, completely misplaced in a Spider Man book. I think. Yeah. Which is funny. It was like a little funny little Spider-Man story, just not really and working the, here. And the Peter Parker face does not work. No. Uh, Aunt May beats ass. Uh, I gave that an A, actually. <laughs> That's the highest rated book story in the whole book. <laughs> the panel where she sees Green Goblin and Hobgoblin picking pumpkins in her yard, and she goes after him with like a broom. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Dude, I was like, yes, I, I like this Aunt May. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she sucks and up Eddie Brock's symbiote like, with a vacuum cleaner. I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Superior Octopus, uh, I actually give a B to. Again, Why? consistently the most interesting thing oh, in all of this clone conspiracy crap. And I do say yeah. crap in a very literal sense. And this, and including the next issue, the most interesting aspect of this entire thing is Otto. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, Otto's the only thing that is intriguing and like is what is Otto doing? Where is Otto going? 
Um, so, uh, to sum up, <laughs> or sum up, or whatever the hell sum sum up things are, <laughs> um, was this worth ten dollars? Hell no. Mm-hmm. Did the extra, you know, did the extra padded extra features? Did it make it worth ten dollars? Hell no. We all got gypped, and we did it willingly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was a, a thorough review, George. Thank you very much. That was awesome. What do you uh, expect from? <laughs> I say Hold we go. In for you, let, let's uh, go around the horn for the main story for grades. I don't think we need to grade all of them. I think George's grades. I think we kind of all agree. Anybody outspoken on those final stories? I think they, the grades of that are pretty. Accurate. I think it's. I mean, I was kind of agree with George's assessment on most of those. Yeah, yeah I would agree. I, mean, I would agree. I can yeah. tell this guy he's about to tell me to f off on the zoom zoom thing. No, 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 not the Susan. That was just pure garbage. I mean, that's awesome, uh, awful. Uh, awful. It wasn't even like Peter Porker fun. It was. It was no, selling it was, a toy. It was a commercial for. It was basically a commercial for Disney, basically. Because that's that, was, that is the most egregious Disney product placement I've ever seen. If we had had, yeah, a, if we had, had a Peter Parker or a Peter Porker backup, it would have made this book worth ten dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go around oh, yeah. the horn for the main grade of the main stories. So, Jr. the Goblin, the biggest Goblin fan I know. What would you give this one? Uh, the story gets a D. Ooh, this is rough for your favorite characters. The clone expert didn't like the clone story, and Jr. didn't like the, that goblin story. Wow. Well, yeah, we hate our favorite characters. Get it up, get it in the ash. You know. I mean, <laughs> who is? Well, there's a quote. <laughs> Should, do we stop calling him Goblin now and just start calling him Chameleon? <sighs> He's pretty much is Chameleon now, isn't he? Yeah. I was gonna say Clayface, maybe. I mean, oh, no <laughs> he is more Clayface. Yeah. Clayface meets yeah. chameleon meets a, a goblin. Okay, uh, Jr. gave it a D. Mike, well, what do you give it? Um, well, the well in a C issue, I give this a D plus. Oh, you, you're grading them all together as a C. Yeah, okay. but this is but, this, but the main, the main story is a D. Plus. Okay, yeah. Ashley, what do you give the main story? That's a D. Zach. D. D. I will also give it a D. This is not the Spider-Man I know, and he sh- is not an international hero like this. I didn't, this is, I, I, this is I just... Didn't, uh, yeah. This I wasn't here work. to read James Bond. It, it's so very much Spider-Bond. Bond. Yes. This yeah. book needed to be polybagged with a, with a vial of Vaseline. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, pros, what did you like? The art isn't bad. No, it's Stuart Immerman. Of course the art's going to be good. <laughs> it's, the art's the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other pros out of the book? Jr. You you like see, probably seeing Norman again? Kinda. I never. I didn't see Norman. I saw. I saw. I saw a warthog, and I saw someone do a bad Barton Hamilton impersonation. Oh, yeah. You know, it's I didn't good, see Norman. It's good to see Silver Sable back. Yeah, that's true. I I don't I, care about Silver Sable. I love Silver Sable. I, I like it, but at the flip side, then go watch the movie Sony's going to put. <laughs> I plan on it. I, I like seeing Silver Sable back, but at the same time, it's in a slot story. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't – I don't trust slot with – Remember what he did to Black Cat. Yeah, I don't trust him with a lot of my favorite Never characters. Never forget. Yeah, he turned her into Kill Z McMurder. God. <laughs> Any other pros than what I mentioned? Okay, let's hit the cons. What did you guys hate? JR, I want to hear your goblin hate. What did you hate about – this appearance by Norman. I want to hear your goblin hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, though, the one thing is that mm-hmm. the story had actually very little to do with 
the goblin yeah. you know and first of all he's not the goblin i mean he he's uh he, he really is lex luther in a way i mean uh i mean it, it's yeah but anyway that's beside the point well, how much did i you know one uh who gave aunt may the facelift holy crap mm-hmm. you know it's like she de-aged like how many years i don't you know and then yeah. i i just i love it when uh you know, I mean, talk about the cock blocking or whatever. I mean, her son, quote unquote, <laughs> is trying to ask a girl out, you know, and then she, it's like, you know, and then she peeks over the head and, 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 and peeks over the seat and screws it up. Yeah. What? And As Peter about, never notices she's there. Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah, I know. It's that, it, but it was it, just the idea that it even happened. It was so stupid. And what's know? this and, annoying? And what's this annoying thing about May and this like, oh, I got to have grandkids before I die. <laughs> and all this stuff. That's every kind that's, of mom, actually. But I know, but it's but this is kind of like he. This is for some reason Dan Slott's been kind of using the same trope with her Aunt May or whatever it is. Like, oh, I gotta have my grandkids, Peter. Yeah. Did, she yeah, ever, have, did she yeah, ever? Did she ever say that? Actually, that whole scene yeah, was so bad. I thought it was a dream. I thought they were going to do the whole. That he's having a nightmare. Do you guys ever remember I mean, Aunt she, May saying that when he was married? Yeah. Well, no, no but I remember. No, I don't remember. She said her it like that. remember when. Uh, uh, when Peter was octopus and dating Anna Maria, and mm-hmm. she was saying, "Well, Peter, you know, you can't have sex with a midget. You might have midget kids." Oh, no. yeah, you know, it's right. It's like, yeah, exactly. I agree. What's the fact? Oh, anyway, Lord. Um, okay. Another thing I did. Another thing I didn't like is you know the Harry and Betty scene, and Harry says, "Not me. I can't imagine going back to things before this little devil." Oh no! How about your original little devil, Harry? How about your marriage? You know, which you actually weren't you in love with your wife at one time? Didn't you have another? Be- that's just that's stupid. Yeah. And then he mentions Normie later in the story. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it'd be good for him and Stanley to get together, you know, and have a little brother bonding, even though I pretty well ignored my first son, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the cats yeah. in the cradle and the again the the whole beating up asian things that was that was like twilight zone stuff it's that like, was yeah, what was what? the purpose of that whole page it was just like it totally interrupted the story and everything it, 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 just it, like, it, 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 it was it was it was political correctness in the middle of a fight dan slot well, had yeah. to make sure people realized that he was woke yeah, well, yeah. even as a joke, it didn't even work. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, the thing is, it was like, it was like there were, if, like, it was a multi-ethnic gang, and he only beat up the Asians. Okay, I can see him feel guilty. Yeah. but like Mockingbird said, he's in Hong Kong. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, if he goes up to Harlem and only beats up Asians, that's one thing. But so then they go and find people in masks, so he won't feel guilty. Are you effing kidding me? Oh, maybe, okay, this was, so, maybe this was some commentary on Iron Fist. I don't know, but oh, <laughs> uh, he was just geez. weird. That I mean, was very like, strange. Even, it feels like Dan Slott trying to apologize to his audience for having him beat up Asians. Yeah, be like, That's oh, what they're it in Hong Kong. Like, yeah. I have to explain this. I'm like, it doesn't need to be explained. We well, know even if he's. Are. But, but he also, even if he's making fun of political correctness, it still doesn't work. I mean, it's no. just kind of like... Dude, if, if there's something that people understand in comic books, it's it's superheroes beating ass on the triad. <laughs> yeah, it's like... How it's many Asians like, is Wolverine killed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, has some Spider-Man gone to Chinatown before? Yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> it's just oh, man. strange. Uh, it was very odd. Took took me out of it. And it wasn't even really in it. And stop trying to make Clash happen. Holy crap. Oh, no doubt. God. 
Please. Uh, it's, it, it, it's literally just trying to get a get a royalty check. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's trying to get him worked into the cartoon. Or since, since we know that the new cartoon is just going to be uh, retread slot fanfic stories. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have you have him and him and his buddy uh, Steve Wacker, who basically spent the latter half of the run on Ultimate Spider-Man doing the same thing. Oh, he's probably sending emails to Wacker daily. Please, please put Clash in there. It's vital. It's vital. I need to, Papa needs new shoes. Uh, any other uh, any other I, cons, JR? I need, new, I need to get some no, new I can go, I, could go, I could go on forever. I mean, the stupid some some you know, stupid stories that nobody gives a shit about just to inflate the you know, I mean the ten, the, the the price tag. I mean, this was just appalling. Mm-hmm. And like, unfortunately, like George says, you know, we willingly bent down and picked the soap up. You know? <laughs> oh god. Yeah. We we picked the soap up knowing what would happen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So double dumbass on us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, although the uh, nice Mary Star Trek Four reference, yeah. With Norman Masked Man, I, I kind I picked that that variant. I like that variant. Maybe we can call Norman Botox Man at this point. What, which, the- what variant did you pick up? I, I just <laughs> have the regular one. Yeah, uh, the green chameleon. The, I, How about that? We call him the green chameleon. There you go. Yeah, the green. yeah I, got, I got the variant where it's like Norman's like it's like the the, the cover is like him being an action figure with all the heads. Oh, oh I uh, saw. Oh, yeah, that, that's probably now. Cool. Are one of those now? Are one of those heads Peter Parker? Because I don't know if in this, some point in the story, I almost get the feeling that Norman, I mean, couldn't wouldn't put it past and makes himself look like Peter Parker or something. But you know what? Yeah, we, even though he's like taller and thicker than yeah, than the Peter yeah, is, no. you know, it's yeah. like, hey, I'm a, now, how you doing? Now we haven't mentioned this in a while. I did like the cover. Uh, it was an homage to uh, Spectacular Spider-Man number two, the magazine. Oh yeah, yeah. Which and also and also Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-nine because that's where it first appeared. No, one, mm, no, the, no, Brad's, no, it's it's spectacular. It's back to the original spectacular yeah. too. Yeah, the other ones. Yeah, but, where no, he's but I dragging. thought the cover for I thought the cover for Amazing Spider-Man 39 did the same thing or 38. No, Excuse that's him dragging oh. him by his ankle and with his costume peeking out of his shirt. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I thought there was a I thought there was some I thought there was some other thing where he's like where where it looks like he's towing Peter or something. Yeah. But anyway, but, oh, but well. I like the cover, oh. but it did not affect my grade this time. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I, actually, did I get my grade on it? I I, I would give it a D. Also, mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. did. You gave okay, it okay, yours. cool. Uh, any other cons? What, what? Who hasn't talked yet? That would, has something to say. Um. Well, I know for me, I think one one other con was this. I mean, I, it looks like the ama- the uh, Spider Man did not learn his lesson from uh, from that god awful Amazing Grace story where he basically criticized uh, Betty for like. Oh, I thought I thought you were I thought you dealt with facts, Betty. About what you know? Why do you have these? You know, when she's talking about her spiritual, seeing a spiritual advisor and everything, like you know, I thought that was like, well, who the heck are you, dude, to basically you know, tell her that? Because you know, but that was one one thing that kind of took another thing that took me out of the story. Almost like the um, the whole that whole page with the with Spider Man being up, uh, you know, thinking always oh, worried about being up Asians and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing too is supposedly um, the other thing was to me what the other con was that Spider Man is supposed to be a guy who's supposed to be so driven like he wants a win he wants a win like he feels like oh you know that he feels like he didn't he needs a win after clone conspiracy so is not saving the entire world not considered a win not for someone that guilty I guess not because <laughs> and that and then but at the technically same time, didn't Otto kind of save the world. Well, yeah, I mean, can it be argued just, that Otto was the one that actually said it's true? Yeah, pretty much. Seriously, I mean, he was the one that pulled the trigger on all that crap. Yeah, yeah, wasn't he? yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, well, he's the one who caused the whole thing to begin with, but oh. it's, a, but yeah, it's just like, but again, but then at the same time, even though he's supposed to be so driven and the and like driven by grief and like being all reckless going into stuff, yet at the same time he finds the time to try to try to flirt and flirt and try to get a date with Mockingbird for reasons. But it just like, so I think in some ways I just again going back, it just to me I don't really buy his motivation for wanting to try to go after Norman Osborn. I mean, this is still Norman Osborn. He doesn't need the extra motivation of supposedly losing Gwen all over again. Well, I mean, like this JR is said we're, all, we're just being told it's Norman Osborn. We haven't actually seen Norman Osborn. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, he's uh, I mean, yeah, he for well, one minute. He looks like he's uh, doing his um, uh, Scarface impersonation, Scarface uh, orc thing going on there. <laughs> <laughs> orc, orc face. Say hello to my, to my little friend. friend. <laughs> that's Say funny. My little, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, but, you, I mean, you brought it. up you brought up the Betty thing. And I, I, I didn't mean to, just before I forget this, you mm-hmm. bring up the Betty thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, when I saw that, and then she was like, "Oh, and I tried to get May to go," and I was like, "Okay, that's that's more than just a passing thing. That's like, you know, yeah." And I'm like, "Because we've seen Betty go crazy before," and I'm like, "Is this is slot is Dan slot been there done that? Is Dan been there done that slot going to go back to that Betty's crazy whale?" And I was like, "Well." With slots mo, I wouldn't put it past him. So maybe we're going to see Betty go crazy again. Well, mm-hmm. I just think I just think it was almost just kind of like a. I mean, there is that thing, but I just think it was kind of a nod the fact that you know. But but again, that's another thing. Aunt May just lost Jay, her husband, and everything, and she's not. You know, she <laughs> seems awfully chipper for someone who just. Well, she was totally chipper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, how she obviously went to the. She went what to the there? new used store in Logan's Run and got a new body or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she figures with uh, with Jay Senior gone. Maybe you know, these old bones will go to rest. <laughs> you know. But then again, who care, who really cared about Jay anyway? I mean, that's the <laughs> no one did. No, yeah, one, exactly. no. no Who one do did. we care more about, Clash or Jay? Ooh, that's a good question. Or Alpha. Uh, uh, <laughs> or Alpha. Yeah, what's Alpha even doing anymore? What is Alpha doing? I wonder, <laughs> if, wonder if he's dead and they cloned him. Oh, anyway, uh, any other thoughts before we move on, gang? Okay, we've got issue number 26. And, JR, you're tackling this one. This one does have Norman Osborn in it, allegedly. <laughs> JR. We've lost him. Sorry, dead. sorry. I was I oh. was muted. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it probably really is Norman. Like it really mm-hmm. was Norman uh, during the, uh, what was that uh, the the what was that last um, story arc in Superior Spider Man? Um, oh, and, Goblin Goblin Nation. Goblin Nation. Goblin Nation. Right. Yeah, I mean that turned out to be really Norman too. But it's like it sure, certainly didn't feel or sound like him at any point in time. But anyway, we pick up where yeah. we left off. Chaos reigning mm-hmm. on the rooftop gala for the Uncle Ben Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman in his I want to look as much like the failed Bart Hamilton Green Goblin as possible, comes across <laughs> Harry and says, you're a whiny little bastard, but you're my whiny little bastard. Love you, son. Um, Boy, then, it does look like Bart Hamilton, doesn't it? You know, and then yeah. purple and green clad goons spirit Norman away, and Spidey and the two, which of these two gorgeous women is Dan Slott going to set me up to bang? Uh <laughs> You know, go after um, you know, go after Norman. Harry, with his recent balls implant, grabs a guy who is just talking to his old man and wrests the Goblin logo stamp invitation from him. Mockingbird hears from Samuel L. Fury, who says, 
who says, I don't give a shit that you're going after Norman Osborn, one of the most evil SOBs alive. All I care about is helping Dan Slott get this story from point A to his predetermined point B. And oh, I don't absolutely. care what and I don't care what gibberish I've got to spout to get us there. So stop <laughs> going after Osborne because we're not going to help your ass. And then Mocky Murd bails on Spidey, which should tell him that there isn't going to be any action under the sheets with her tonight. Uh, the Mockingbird's not going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> go ahead sorry uh you, you, that was a singular laugh i heard <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> thanks ashley <laughs> anyway harry taps in on the on the link <laughs> on the invitation and finds out it's a live stream put out by Old oh Thomas yeah to show off his weapons tech to a group of potential buyers all right Anyway, when they catch up with Norman, they run into what he's trying to sell, which is a green and purple version of the Walker from Return of the Jedi, circa 1983. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Star Wars is coming up. They just released a trailer today, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Reasons. Well, yeah. On Norman, anyway, so Norman says, oh, by the way, my Walker from uh, Return of the Jedi is going up against a hero outfitted with Parker Industries technology. Okay, so all he's got to do is say that, and then this is used as a platform to get supporting cast members from all over the world to come to the wrong conclusion for no particular reason at all, because we need Parker Industries to crash and burn before Spectacular Spider-Man number one comes out. And it'll happen, no matter how implausibly the situation, to make it happen. Oh, meanwhile... The, whoever the hell this Parker clone slash Hydra hybrid slash superior Oc thing is shows up long enough to say dumbass and promote the next story arc before this one is even complete. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is world building. This is this is world building one hundred and one. There, Jay, do don't you understand the genius? <laughs> it, it's just above me. It's just above me. As Spider Man and Silver so, so high brow. Excuse me. A Spider-Man and Silver Sable riff a 1975 shark movie, which I'll bet a classic is still 42 years old. <laughs> and one, I was a sm- among a small minority of participants and listeners alive at the time. Anyway, so they blow up the Walker, uh, and we find out that Osborne and the Countess of Mincaria is who is his new squeeze. Anyway. They get away, and Sable tells Spidey that Osborne and the Countess have taken over Smimkaria and are using its productive capacity to sell Osborne's war toys. All right, so Spidey agrees to help Sable go after the Countess and Osborne and tells her he'll even write a check for the for it, which you know is going to go bad because that's all part of the point B we're going to get to in any way possible. So Harry tells Peter, oh, God, Peter, you're going to ship millions of dollars in equipment in a plane with our logo to topple a a lawful regime. You know, and and then, of course, Harry, the thing is, your dad took it over. And it's still so if your dad took over the country with the help of the countess, it's not a lawful regime anymore, is it? You know, (laughs) plus, isn't your dad an evil son of a bitch? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like an American citizen goes over and assumes control of a kind of a foreign country, and every, you know, and it's like you know, uh, I, it uh, just bizarre, utterly bizarre. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Peter says, "Yes, I'm going to behave in a simplistic, naive way because I've got to do my part <laughs> to ensure that Parker Industries crashes and burns in this or the next story arc." And then Ock and has then, the best quote, doesn't he? And you, then yep, Parker clone slash Hydra hybrid slash Superior Ock shows up again to say. Dumbass. Or self-righteous twit. <laughs> yeah. 
And the final scene is at a Samuel L. Fury cult meeting. Where <laughs> Sam Fury, doing his best Lewis Gossett Jr. from an officer and a gentleman, tells his S.H.I.E.L.D. minions that because Parker Industries is going after that evil son of a bitch, Norman Osborn, an American citizen who is essentially illegally and immorally taken over a foreign country, that Parker Industries is no different than Hydra. Even though the same Norman Osborn allied, allied with Hydra once uh, in the run-up story before Bendis turning purple and had him fly around in his underwear. <laughs> and all of the minions, including Mockingbird, behave like they're, they're in week one of boot camp. And that's where the story ends. Oof. All I right. have to know, D-. minus this, This thing reeked. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Awful. JR. Um, I mean, uh, George. Sorry. F. Ashley. D. Uh, Mike. D also. Zach. For Kevin, this is prison ass. <laughs> <laughs> D out of me also. It's awful. Horror. I just. None of these characters are the ones we know or even like JR. Is that. Does that sum it up? I mean, I'm not rooting for Spider Man. This isn't. I love Norman Osborn too. I don't. This. I don't recognize him. I don't recognize yeah, any I mean, of these characters. I mean, the thing is here, you know, it's like. It's it's two issues in, yeah. you know. I mean, we're not getting a Peter versus Norman story, and and no. Spider Man is not acting like. I mean, it's it's like they're almost like generic superhero slash arch arch enemy. You know, I mean, these people have a long and deep history. None of that's brought up. I mean, you know, and you know, he's going. I, I just it, it's not like he's not like tre- he's not treating Norman. Norman is and, and uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not making a rat's ass worth of sense, but it's like they're just two. You characters. are stammering, sir. Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. like they're two characters that have the names but aren't behaving the way the That's character should. Very mm-hmm. true. Very true. So, mm-hmm. Parker Industries up against Norman Osborn and his and his Sky Speeder gang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Makes oh, no damn God. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh. Pros, what do we like? Um, the art, actually, by Stuart Eminem. Okay. And especially, I mean, say what, I mean, if you avoid the script issues, and there are many of those, and if you just concentrate on the art thing, I like how it, it, he doesn't just draw them well, he knows how to compose the scene, because if you look at that whole chase sequence involving the sky speeders and stuff, if you notice all the panels, no matter what angle he's drawing them at, during that whole scene, the action's always moving from left to right, so you always know like who everyone, where everyone is in relation to one another, like where they, where all the, where all they are, and you get a sense of space and movement and everything. So, and it, and so you know, you're never, you're never confused about what's actually going on, what's happening on the panel. So in that regard, I think in terms of if you just look at this as if you just, I mean, this would be an ideal storyboard for a dumb action movie, but and. It kind of works on on that Who level. Who says I think it's it not? Works. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. For like, yeah. A, for like a early '90s Judge Dredd type vehicle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah uh, I, I was thinking. I was yeah. thinking more uh, um, Steven Seagal B list. No, that's too high. <laughs> that's a little highbrow for this. Uh, yeah, that's true. This is this is definitely. Yeah, I think George is right. This is definitely Judge Dredd. This makes Under Siege look like The Godfather. Oh. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, but because that had Gary Busey before he started slurring his words. Yeah. Mm. No, that was before the alcohol hit. Wow. That was before a lot of things hit. 
<laughs> what other cons do we have? What is going on with Aunt May? Yeah. Uh, Another character that, in name only. It doesn't look like her. Can, suddenly, suddenly she's like an older version of Cat Grant from Supergirl. What sums up the what sums up like all these characters not doing what they're what they usually do? There's this one there where there's one moment where where, where when Silver Sable's asking Spider Man like what does Spider Sense say? And he says, I'm ignoring it. And yeah. he goes, Why? He goes, and then he says, because everything's dangerous. Everything comes with a cost. And I'm willing to pay it even if it means catching Osborne. And when I read that, that I was like, yeah. first I was like, one, what the heck does that even mean? You're not making any sense. Um, second. Let's look um, at the things that you've, been, that you've had to pay for before, Buster. Yeah, and yeah. And it's yeah. A, yeah, second. So he's basically saying, oh, I'm, well, I'm going to basically, I'm purposely handicapping myself and thus putting myself yeah. and others in danger. Has he, and third. Yeah. And then the third thing was like it seems like that that point it was like Dan Slott is, is admitting yeah I am making these characters do deliberately stupid things and they know that they're doing stupid things just to move the story along. In I mean it's fifty just, plus years ignoring it, his spider sense has that ever helped him? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. so it, yeah, it's just a stupid. It's, it's an absolute. Yeah, Whoa. it's just an absolutely Whoa, stupid. Yeah, it was just an absolutely stupid line, and it just it just kind of to me just kind of encapsulates what's wrong with this entire story. It just yeah. it, to me it just like it just he's just doing it's it's literally you might as well t- subtitle this comic "Stupid is as stupid does" to quote Forrest Gump. So, you, you know, but, we uh, we often praise Slot for his portrayal of Ock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jr. What's the your, only thing that he does consistently? He really that doesn't works. get Norman. He really does not get him. Jr. He, do you agree? He doesn't get, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't understand. I, I don't think he understands the character. Uh, what, I, mean, what, it, uh, I got a question because he's written mm-hmm. out three Norman stories. We've got New Ways to Die. We've gotten the Goblin Nation, and now this. In any of those stories, has he ever got the character, Jar? No, no, I agree. No, but the, but then again, this whole again, it's easy to. I mean, yeah, it's easy to 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 blame slot but this whole post and i know that we're probably going to get to something like this in uh, in another show uh, but really it's almost like spider-man's been in an alternative universe ever since uh brand new day one more day mm-hmm. i mean it's just like it's almost been like an alter- uh, an alternate universe because these aren't the same characters they yeah. don't behave the same way they don't have the same motivations uh so it's like i mean yeah you could blame slot you know uh, but it's it's just the it's the world he's operating in too. Jared, you it's the, like it's a, it it's editorial driven though. I mean, J- it, it, you, do you remember it's been JR that way for, for ten years. You remember Jr. Like for a couple of years after one more day happened, and a lot of people kept saying, "Dude, it really feels," and I really hey, think day? that we're in an alternative universe here that's running parallel to the Marvel universe. And it got and so many people started talking about it across different websites that Wacker finally had to address it. Do you remember that? No, I don't actually. And I think he correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, but I think he addressed it in the letters page and somebody like he finally like put in a fan letter saying, dude, is this an alternate universe? He was like, No, this is it. This is the real deal. You know, this is he did. The- it, it was definitely the letters pages because it was very condescending and mm-hmm. how he responded, which <laughs> Steve Wacker, come on. Yeah, it's yeah. Wacker, it's gonna- Wacker gonna Wacker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Wacker Wacker even in real life is can be um condescending and a bit of aloof. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, you're not wrong, Barryman, at all. This, and, is, this and, is definitely and, and, it's and, definitely and, Twilight Zone. 
a quick show of hands here. Who can remember when Harry worked best as a corpse? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we waited. We waited. What, I just referenced the year in thirty six issues before they did anything, and it was worthless. Um, and now remember my big giant rant about how he's he, he's been greatly diminished since this volume has started. They've done more with Harry in this volume, unfortunately, than they did the previous two volumes combined. And since he's been re- since he's been brought back, and and now he doesn't uh, add much. No, at all. No, mm. there's no, there's very little contributions by the entire supporting cast. At least like, his his death his death kind of amped up the uh, conflict between Peter and Norman. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Norman came back, and you know that was, and, and Norman had a motivate a different motivation than just you know. Oh, by the way, you busted up my effort to become crime lord of all New York or whatever, which everybody has. You know, I mean, it, it uh, you know it, it you know. Both Peter matter. and Norman, both Peter and Norman felt that the other had taken someone they loved from them, you right. know. But then, yep. of course, the Norman forgets everything, you know. Yeah. And Spidey's then starts treating him like a generic supervillain, you know. Hey, Norm, remember that time about that thing <clears throat> with that blonde that in, yeah. in, in the Avengers yeah. once, mm-hmm. you know? And and who's getting who's who's the most upset about Norman Osborn taking over the world in Dark Reign? Hawkeye, you know, not Spidey, <laughs> Hawkeye, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm getting right off talking, but yeah, it's like I mean, th- this is not the same Marvel universe we've been operating in. This, no. this is not the same characters. At, at uh, the very the least, the death Harry's of the Marvel not, universe was a at, civil war. At the yep. very least, oh, it was in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very, this is why I always say like when I because I always you know consider mm-hmm. Spider-Man to have ended for me before Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, but the at least Harry at least Harry is not the same kind of douche that he was when Brand New Day first first hit. Here, here's something mm. that oh, James James Franco. Yeah. Here here's something yeah. that has come to me. The the people that'll plop down ten bucks for an issue are us. the one us are the us. long are the long term fans that remember this history that remember Norman killed a blonde that remember Harry died etc. They're relying on us. So why don't they write to us? Right for us, because because the plot above all else, because they're not DC, because, <laughs> because they're not DC, <laughs> because they're trying to get new well, readers. Uh, they they no. want to get try. They want to try to get. They're they're definitely trying they, to. They're trying to trying write to, to people. New readers for ten years. Yeah, I know, but they're trying to write for people who are more more familiar with Spider Man because of the films and the cartoons and stuff more so Put, than the actual the, the, than the other comic books and everything. Because putting it. Yeah, oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. They're, writing, they're trying to write for a new audience to whom story doesn't matter. A new yeah. audience does not yeah. buy a new audience well, does not buy a ten dollar comic. Well, oh, I, yeah. Time, well, well, what Brett, I don't understand they, about that though is if this new audience is coming into Spider Man from the movies, the movies are based on you know the old lore and the years, oh I know yeah hundreds of issues of comics that go into his character. So ten, why yeah. is that except not for this like, latest like, movie now into, that has Junkie in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I came Donkey. into Spider-Man, you know, like with the movies were probably my first introduction, and what I see in the comics now is not any kind of reflection of what I, I was introduced to. I, I still, though, I, I I think the prices are too high, and the ten dollars is outrageous. Oh, but yeah. uh, if I see the movie and I walk into a comic book store, I think four bucks is just too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can I get in real life for four bucks? Yet you just paid ten dollars. Exactly. Well, that right. that not issue is not catered to the new reader. That's you, catered to the completest. My, my, my Whataburger was less than what this issue was. You, this issue you, cost. Yeah. you, me, and everyone who paid ten dollars for this book, we just told them it was worth that, Brad. That, that's mm-hmm. very true. That's very true. 
What happens so, when we well, die off? For the comic <laughs> retailers, it was it was fantastic because it was a, a, exactly. a great profit margin for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, when when they Bleeding Cool did their you know weekly, you know, yeah, we'll what's sold this week, episode. and they yeah. talked to all these different uh, comic book shops. They basically said that the most consistent thing about about uh, Marvel was, well, we made a lot of money on that ten dollar comic. Yeah, for the first time in what six months, Marvel finally performs. <laughs> yeah. for retailers man. yeah without having to overship Any, anybody mm-hmm. looking forward to the next issue I mean the storyline is just leaving me when was the last time any of us looked forward to an issue of Amazing Spider-Man be honest I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, this whole thing with him trying to go in and, and basically doing I, his uh, nation building thing with, with, with um, going after Osborne and stuff. I'm like, I, uh, I feel like big, we're getting, we're getting shades of, of, of Marvel circa Civil War era where we're doing an indictment of the Bush administration again for reasons. I was yeah, interested just, with the clone conspiracy when it started, but man, did the rails but, go off fast. But yeah, this is, this yeah. has become, but at this point, I mean, in a way I can, and if this is supposed to be. I guess the strategy here Dan Slott is doing is is that we're going so far removed from what Spider-Man is supposed to be that when the Parker Industries eventually falls and that's supposed to, you know, so he's right now he's going to basically go to the utmost extreme end of this with him, like, doing all like, oh, I'm going to have my own Spider-Man bringing his own army and stuff and everything. And so it's What was just, the purpose of this Parker Industries journey? in a fan fiction notebook what, 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 what no, was no, no, I, I will tell you I tell you it, it was it was the extension of the big time arc even though it was yeah. kind of contrived it, you know he's been building this since the beginning of his run and Ugh. where we're seeing Peter Parker successful and mm-hmm. now even even as a success he can't be a success well that, and, and they, yeah, and but, and uh, don't forget this whole success of him was all because of Doc Ock. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, Peter he, still he has a doctorate that. he didn't earn, and it doesn't bug him at all. <laughs> at all. No. At all. He killed a dude. Member of the what's his name? Exactly. Massacre. Yeah, he yeah. killed. It doesn't care. He feels yeah. so guilty about beating up Asians in Asia. <laughs> oh yeah, but he killed <laughs> a dude in Asia. But, but he uh-huh. doesn't care that somebody else earned his doctorate. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I mentioned so earlier, much fail. I'm sorry. If you read the, uh, read the um, uh, articles that I wrote on the front page, I mean, all this boils down to is it's the plot above all else. Mm-hmm. And characterization be characterization be completely damned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we uh, the the plot is what is Zach. We're losing Zach. He's becoming a robot. Uh, we need Sorry. to get plow through any real quick final thoughts on this issue before we move on. Doc Ock self righteous twitch is the perfect summation of Peter in this book. Yeah, we can't root for <laughs> own. We can't root for our own hero because we don't like him. I would no. I would say to people who who are who feel like us, and we know from here because we hear from a lot of you, mm-hmm. um, in the reviews on iTunes and the message boards on the front page. We know that people are have, are as frustrated as we are about how bad Amazing Spider Man has consistently been now. Yeah. Um, but don't hedge your bets too much on this on, on the new core title. A lot of people are doing this. I think a lot of people are looking at this like it's some sort of massive savior that's coming down the pike. Yeah, and you're just you you could be setting yourself up for a whole yeah. other level of, of disappointment. So, <laughs> so be careful. Be real careful with that. Here, real quick before we move on to uh, renew your vows, the two issues uh, around the web, real quick. Uh, comicbookroundup.com helps us with this. 
Uh, we got this cover.com gives it uh, issue. Oh, let's go for the first one we did. Clones Conspiracy Omega. Uh, AIPT.com gives it 9.5 out of 10. What the hell? Uh, let's see. That's for 25? No, no. I. This is for Clone, no, Clone, Clone Conspiracy Omega. Omega. Oh, My okay. triple F. Uh, they gave Omega a 9.5? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, the main story, Port Rhino, I haven't felt this bad for him since Flowers for Algeron's story. Uh, Kane being asked to Spider-Man just like old times. I still ship Miles and Gwen, but Kane and Spider-Gwen is close second. Uh, the verdict, now that's how you stick a landing. While the last issue left something to be desired, <laughs> oh the close my God. conspiracy Omega. This is adventuresinpoortaste.com. Uh, Omega One. Well, hit there all, you go. That, that's why. Hit all the right notes. The event series ending is a wonderfully solid, but also appropriately messy. Uh, let's do a- IGN gave it 8.8. This was a very strong epilogue for the Clones of Conspiracy, oh. and in some ways, it was even better than the event preceded it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Newsarama. It, it, it was the ending that you thought you were going to get that you actually didn't get. Newsarama gave it five out of ten. Uh, let's see. Let me scroll down there. After a lackluster final chapter with Clone 5, I expected this epilogue issue to do a better job at wrapping a rushed and crowded storyline. This issue is split into three stories, blah, blah, blah. The story takes a good look at the Kingpin and Spider-Man's relationship. Uh, It doesn't redeem the underwhelming ending of the event. Uh, Let's see. Superior Spider-Talk gave it 4.5 out of 10. Whoa! There, uh, <laughs> wow. it further wraps up the events. <laughs> uh, how many how many negative iTunes reviews are I going to be getting now? <laughs> the clone conspiracy Omega further wraps up the event of the past six months, but doesn't come close. I'm sorry, doesn't come across as being anything but particularly illuminating or even necessary to the larger oh. nar- narrative. But hey, what's another five bucks between friends? Uh, <laughs> for the beat, uh, gave it four out of ten. Let's see here. Which is a what, Brad? Oh, who knows? That's like that's a, 40%. On our, on our 10 point scale, that's a, that's a D. That's a, that's okay. a D. Let's see. Yes. Verdict skip. You can go ahead and let your clone read this one. Oh, <laughs> wow. Thanks, thanks buddy. Okay. Uh, comic book roundup for Amazing 25. Uh, we got this covered.com. Gives it 10 out of 10. Oh God! <laughs> let's let's see why they loved it so much. Oh my God! Amazing Twenty Five is a tremendous issue, kickstarting Dan Slott's next arc and bringing Peter and Norman into a head-on <laughs> collision. Uh, let's see. Slott's run has been tremendous, transforming the Spider-Man canon. ASM Twenty Five is frankly one of the, his better issues, showing just how powerful and creative a writer he really is. It oh, sets good. up one of the most promising arcs of years, and it res- resurrects a key character and offers tantalizing hints at a future Spider-Man. All in all, it's a must-read. Uh, <laughs> Newsarama gave it 9 out of 10. Uh, let's this see. is who, Brad? Newsarama. Uh, let's see. Good we thought you guys wised up, Newsarama. Oh, man. ASM 25 is less like a massive self-important story and is indeed like watching two pros at a pickup game. Slot and Eminem are both fantastic at picking up the mood and energy of their characters, and there's just an unbelievable solidness to this story. Uh, Let's see. IGN gives it 7.1 out of 10. 
They, uh, let's see here, let me get to this, if they've got bullet points. Like, yeah. The verdict, uh, the new issue of ASM has a lot going for it. The main story, if a bit awkwardly paced, delivers some big twists, a dark tone. Awkwardly and, paced, it was awkward in general. A dark tone <laughs> and plenty of gorgeous art from Eminem. Unfortunately, this issue struggles to justify the hefty price tag. Too much of well, the backup yeah, stories true. read like pointless filler rather than meaningful additions to Peter Parker's increasingly chaotic world. Uh, Superior well, Spider Talk gives it seven like out of, of ten. The, of the spectacular book. Amazing Spider Talk mm-hmm. gives it seven out of ten. Their bullet points are good. Main story is an effective opening chapter for the Osborne identity. It shows how both Slot and Eminent varied storytelling talents. However, ten bucks is way too much to pay for a single comic, and nothing found in the backup tales save one makes the book feel like it's worth the considerable cost of admission. 6.5 Weird Science uh, Comics.com says. From my heart and from my head, why can't people understand? <laughs> how much do you love Spider Man? Because. Science. How much do you love Spider Man? Because Marvel sure is testing that love with a $10 price tag for issue 25. <laughs> Although there are stories to like within the pages of this extended issue, only about half of them will truly please even the most hardcore Spidey lover. Okay, that is 25. Let me uh, do 26. I've got so many tabs open right now. Is that 26? Nope. So many tabs, so little time. So many tabs. There's 26. IGN on ASM 26, 8.7 out of 10. What do they say? They say... Let's get to their... The verdict. Dan Slott, Spider-Man Run, hit a slump with the clone conspiracy. But ASM, Spider- ASM is quickly bouncing back in its aftermath. The issue delivers a fun, visually dynamic superhero romp that also asks some different question, difficult questions about where Peter Parker's responsibilities truly lies these days. Peter Parker, Peter himself, not Norman Osborn, may well be the real antagonist of this arc. This is where conspiracy theorists would say, hey, the check cleared. <laughs> yeah. uh, Superior Spider Talk gives it 7.5 out of 10. There's still some quibbles with its overall characterization, but for the most part, ASM 26 is a pulsating second chapter of the Osborne identity that uses Parker Industries' status quo to its benefit in establishing a new kind of yet un- inherently familiar danger to the world of Spider Man. Uh, AIPT uh, gives it 5 out of 10. Let's see. Observation. Uh, Norman Osborn is a walking advertisement for the benefits of Botox. Uh, Not sure why Silver Sable thinks she'll be able to kill Norman Osborn. She's had first-hand experience with how temporary death is in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Worst weapons test ever. Uh, Oof, the idiot ball is really getting passed around here, isn't it? Uh, the verdict sets up a multitude of high-stakes converging conflicts. Unfortunately, it does so by wading through some shallow narrative streams. That's a nice sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. If you think S.H.I.E.L.D. would be all over this, and you'd be absolutely right. Unfortunately, they and Spider-Man's former loyal- loyalty partner, Mockingbird, appear much more interested in stopping Spider-Man Sable from taking Osborn down. But as we all know, having Norman in charge of things never leads to a catastrophically bad global crisis. Let's see. Oh, here's their pros. The work by Eminent is fantastic. There are a lot of great action sequences. The con sets up multiple, uh, multitude of high stakes. As usual, S.H.I.E.L.D. is conveniently inept when the plot requires it. Sure would be Another con sure would be nice if someone would explain why Silver Sable is back from the dead. 
There you go. That is a roundup of the yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah. the web. The, the great thing is, is that is that the explanation is is just cause. Just cause. Yep. In fairness, though, we always knew when they never found the body that Silver Sable was not dead. Yeah, that, well, that, and that we, caused and, comments. And, and think about this: this was before Superior, when when uh, this, you know well, Madame Web was like, "Oh, Silver Sable's not dead." And he's like, "What? You're lying! I saw her die." <laughs> And we so it's taken another three years for this plot point to be resolved. Three plus years. That felt longer, didn't it? It was probably you know, maybe, maybe four. Yeah, uh, you can't rush the greatness of a Dan Slot story, Spidey dude. <laughs> well, I, I wish we would rush it, rush it all the way to the end because I'm done. We're gonna rush yeah. the the next Actually, two reviews. Jack, We've got five. Uh, this because it was 2012 was when Ends of the Earth happened, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> we've that got been half a decade since that crap. Yes. Wow. So we waited a half a decade to bring back Silver Sable. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. <laughs> was that long? Wow. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And, and three Wait. times the amount of issues that normally would have taken to get to that point. So really, it, it's been a decade since we've seen Silver Sable. If we're going off normal storytelling. Mm-hmm. This is already a packed episode. We're coming up on nearly two hours, so we're going to get uh, Renew Your Vows 5 and 6 by Mike and Ashley. So let's uh, go through those two, two pretty quickly. Mike and Ash. Go okay, ahead, Mike. Um, start with, with number five. With Renew Your Vows 5, um, yeah. it's written by Gary, Jerry Conway and also uh, has uh, Nathan Stockman as the guest artist. And basically the story is that Peter, that the Parkers go out for a family fun night at basically the Marvel Universe equivalent of Chuck E. Cheese. And um, and but meanwhile, while this is going on, the Sandman is actually breaking uh, breaking down is breaking and a crew of his is is going to a um, is put conducting a bank robbery right next door. And while this is also going on, um, Harry, I mean, no, excuse me, not Harry's son, Normie is looking into the uh, Busby uh, camera drone and he's figuring out, okay, that it takes pictures and he wants the and he wants uh he wants the pictures of uh Spiderling for himself for who knows why. Um I guess we can guess for for his crazy stalker. Yeah, that, yeah, was, a, that really, was a creepy it, panel. Yeah, it was pretty like, <laughs> oh, send them to me immediately so I can make my shrine and have candles all over the place and all this, you know. Prepare the skin but, suit. Yeah. <laughs> rub, rub the lotion in. It's like listening to Brad talking about Ditko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. But, uh, and also he gets their inter- and apparently uh we also find out also in this particular universe that apparently Harry Osborne's still dead. So I guess Spectacular Spider-Man 2200 still happened or maybe cuz apparently his dad gave him the whole company apparently uh, for for reasons. And so We'll talk uh, about that in the next issue cuz I think yeah. there's, some, there's some controversy there's there's some confirmation of how things worked. Mhm. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, while at the um, the Erstas uh, Chuck E. Cheese thing, and uh, Annie gets a uh, uh, another kind of premonition of what is about to go, what about to happen with her dad, and so she basically kind of storms over her dad and says, "Oh, mom, dad, I saw this thing in my head, blah 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 blah." And so Peter's like, "Well, okay, we'll I'll, I'll just you stay here, I'll check it out." And so Spider Man arrives just as, as the Sandman just breaks down through this vault and pretty impressive actually way he does it you know going goes through there using his sand powers and stuff um so then as he's and so as spidey's fighting fighting the sand sandman um and also his and uh 
Mary Jane and Annie show up to join him. Um, and, you know, they they managed to um, they managed to encase the Sandman by all by all three of them shooting their webbing at at him. And there's enough, and it's enough, and for some reason there's, and making sure that it's not porous enough to, so it, so he can, he can't break free of it. So they managed to uh, save the day, but one of the robbers gets away and he gets this box with an R on it. And he, we see him at the very end, he gives this box to Normie Osborne. And apparently it contains some kind of, um, you know, some some kind of tech in there that we don't sure what what's what's going to be be that for. And then, so then finally the issue concludes with the Parker with all the Parker family is all asleep on the couch after an exhausting day. Um, it ends ex- almost exactly as it started, except with Annie. Yeah, except Annie's now this God. time. Yeah, Annie's <laughs> asleep now. Yeah, so she because yeah. she's had she's had more than enough excitement at this point. So um, final grade, um, I would give this a B plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the story. I mean, it's a nice, cute, done in one issue even though it says brawl in the family part five it's merely it's it's actually more or less it's just kind of a thing it's just more of like a one-shot deal um the art by stockman i think is okay it's i would i still prefer stegman on here but i yeah. think stockman does a capable enough job there's just a couple although annie kind of reminds me some in some panels the way she looks like the, the rugrats cartoon you <laughs> know with the with her face and stuff but but other than that, yeah, and I think he and I think Stockman actually does a pretty really good Sandman too. By the seeing way, too. what seeing what passes for art today at Marvel when I went to the comic book store this month, they could have mm-hmm. done a lot worse for a fill-in artist. A yeah, lot worse. It's true. Oh yeah, a that lot. Is very true. Yeah. I, I actually like this guy. He's, this guy was uh, uh, well. You know, I mean, they, right. I, I wish that it, it would have been Todd Knock, but this was actually pretty. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, especially but like I said, especially when you get to the Sandman stuff, like how he's breaking down the vault and stuff. Yeah. That's really, really impressive. I what mean, what, but, uh, what was your grade again? Did you say B plus? B plus, yeah. Okay. Around the horn, Jr. Jr. Is he on mute? Oh, sorry, I was on mute again. It's okay. Um, I'm swigging. I'm going swigging Mountain Dew, and I didn't want uh, anybody to hear me chugging. Dude, uh, I am swigging. I get, I'm swigging Diet Mountain Dew. Same here. Wow! Um, this podcast uh, brought I, to you by Mountain Dew. I gave it an A. I gave it an A minus. Oh, nice, okay. uh, Michael. Oh no, you already gave it, George. Uh, I give it a B plus. Okay, Zach. A. Uh, Ashley. I gave this an A. Okay, I'll give it a B. Uh, pros. What did we like most about it? Art is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a really uh, good job with the Sandman. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Sandman, Sandman, actually acting and looking and feeling like Sandman. It's nice to see the characters act like themselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's rarity these days it seems. It was well, great the, the, seeing uh, them eat with uh, Glory. I love the Glory. Oh yeah, so much. oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and the Glory is actually considered part of the family here because yeah. it's actually supposed to be their family night, and so they're bringing her along and stuff. That, uh, I love that. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, isn't Glory a uh, Conway creation? I think she is. Oh yeah, I think she yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. and she it's was nice. Brought in with Mrs. Muggins, right? And you know what's nice with Conway's books? I've noticed he's he's bringing characters back that he created, and uh, that we enjoy. For instance, over in the Carnage book, he brought back John Jameson as the, as the Man Wolf, and he brought back what else did he bring back recently? I, I guess it was Glory. But, he he uh, mines, we haven't, we haven't, he mines the he the mines characters. his own uh, his his own ideas, which I like. But uh, anyway, Glory hasn't been an amazing Spider-Man in a long time, mm. and, and I like Glory. Um, any other pros? 
Um, well, another thing, another good thing about the art, what I kind of liked is, is like when you get to that opening scene where Annie's like showing them, oh, showing her, showing them the, the kind of the, what they call the bouncy bunny, which is like the Chuck E. Cheese and that bottom panel where they show Peter and, and MJ just trying really hard to smile, but you can just kind of tell like something has just kind of, you know, really almost they died inside. There. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh my gosh, what are we getting ourselves into when she shows him this? And so it's like, I, I thought that was perfect. And yeah. that, uh, I mean, so that it kind of shows that kind of has that nice, there's a lot, there's kind of that a real good visual kind of uh, storytelling part aspect going on there. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah. I, I like can I, can I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, uh, it's, it's nice to see an Osborne actually acting like an Osborne for once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, even yeah, a 10 year old is acting more like an Osborne <laughs> than a, what, a 50 year old. I think and he's I like a demented. He's like a demented Charlie Brown. That's just, <laughs> that, that's kind of that's that's kind of why I enjoyed this story. I mean, it was just you know it wasn't too serious, and yeah. they're just like you know being a parent or whatever. And like when when Annie is so wound up about family fun night, and Peter's reaction is oh. God, and and then the and then when they get to and then when they get to Chuck E. Cheese's, um, which is what this is, then you have that picture. If you when they first get there, you see the picture of that anguished mother and the crying kid. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there before. I I, I saw that today. With I I bought my daughter a bubble wand. Oh yeah, like a. like a magic wand of blue bubbles and like there was this little boy that really wanted a bubble he wanted he wanted the same thing and his dad's like no and he just like was devastated well i was like if i if if her his dad would have let me out of bottom one (laughs) but yeah i I, I saw that firsthand today i I like it yeah go ahead yeah go ahead ahead. george no you go ahead Oh, I was going to say, I also like the conversation when they're bas- uh, between Peter, MJ, and Glory, where they're basically saying, hey, don't you remember when we actually had grown-up conversations? And, you know, <laughs> most no of the, yeah, I mean, anybody would probably was hanging around, like, had, had you know, uh, you know, who had kids or uh, hanging around nephews, nieces and nephews or something. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. About, and he con- like the, oh, go ahead, George, I'm sorry. I, I, I like the uh, Bullseye and Shocker and Rhino cameo inside the bar. Oh, oh yeah! Yes. Inside the bar, we're outside. That dude was throwing up. <laughs> well, even the best thing was is they were dressed up in their uh, in their Superior Foes era outfits. Yeah, yep. oh, so it yeah. Just made, made me just made me smile. Yeah. We needed we needed Silvermane's head sitting on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just <laughs> rolling in the car. car. Yeah. yeah, that's just funny. rolling up on the toy car for reasons. <laughs> Any cons out of the issue? Pretty high grades all around. Uh, like I said, I mean, there are certain parts. I mean, I kind of, I, and this is just personal preference. I kind of prefer um, Stegman on the. I mean, I oh, thought yeah, kind I of the, some parts of the art were not quite the greatest um, on Stockman. Although, yeah, he's all right in certain panels, but uh, like I said, I think there's parts where Annie kind of looks a little bit too much like um, the rug from like one of the kids from the Rugrats cartoon because it's <laughs> the way some of her. You know, because they have this very super enlarged head over a tiny body and everything. Yeah, I, I see. What, I see what you mean. I'd, yeah, it's yeah, all I right. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not terrible or anything. I just, I again, it's just personal preference for me. Just, I, I just think that the, I just prefer uh, Stegman on the book than opposed to the other guy because yeah. I think, well, he's yeah, part, I think everybody yeah. does. But, but mm. I mean, his Sam, this dude Sandman is legit. Oh yeah, yeah, straight up. His Sandman is crazy. I like right. it. Real, real quick, around the web, uh, let's see. The lowest grade is 6.9 out of uh, 10 at IGN. They, what do they say? 
The artist has some problems drawing an evil 10-year-old. Normie is the most questionable choice in this book, and he looks like Alfred E. Newman's son, and the heir, heir to the Osborne Empire. He re- he's really hard to take a villain like that. Seriously, it's not a deal-breaker, but it's a distraction whenever Nor- Normie appears. 6.9. Uh, I think he's ta- I think he's taking the whole series a little too serious. I agree. Uh, 8.0. Why so serious? 8.0 out of spy, uh, Superior Spider Talk. Uh, writer Jerry Conway and artist Nathan Stockman deliver another chapter in what is shaping up to be required reading for all Spider-Man fans. Stockman's animated figures and Conway's razor wit make for a blast of an issue that moves much faster than the previous four. Um, I think that's good for around the web. Let's. Uh, do, I like. I like. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend this artist in that one point because mm-hmm. and going back to that. That moment we're talking about with the mom and the crying kid, you could see just the defeat and the utter lifelessness in her face. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> if, that, if that mom was to get hit by a car walking out of there, I don't think she'd mind. <laughs> I mean, she. I mean, look at her. She's miserable, uh, man. I mean, she's like, oh, yeah. I'm done. I give up. Yeah. Stick a fork in her. And then, and then that kid's going to be like, Mommy, I, I love you, and I want to be pretty like you. And then she's going to be like, she's going to feel like 10 years younger all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Oh, Absolutely. Ashley, you've got the last review. Uh, Renew your vows number six. Go ahead. Oh, boy. So number six is the start (laughs) of a new arc. We have School Days Part 1, which is the X-Men crossover, or as I have started calling it, the fanfic crossover. Yeah. Um, We open up. Um, I'll get to that. With uh, Banshee running down the alley, fleeing from Magneto and his gang, who uh, Banshee's trying to warn the X-Men that Magneto's coming after them. He's got a plan. But um, Magneto's pretty much on the same bent that he's been for that anyone with a cursory understanding of X-Men would understand about his character. He wants to destroy humanity, create a, you know, mutants are the dawn of a new era, then the next step of an evolution, and, you know, that was their time to rise. So pretty much same old, same old with him. Then we go back to Peter. Um, He, they're, you know, the whole gang is throwing him a big, huge surprise birthday party. Which uh, he's all embarrassed about. And he has a surprise visitor there. Um, Charles Xavier is at his birthday party. And has an offer for, um, for the whole Parker family. He wants them to come down to, the, um, to his school and uh, offer a proposal to them. So when we get to the school, we see all the X-Men. And I guess for any um, Gene and Logan shippers out there, this is your time. This is your gift um, because they're together and they have a little girl and that, that's a girl, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Smiling family man, Wolverine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, that was awkward. I can't begin to describe the level of Gotta change that diaper, bub. <laughs> what, what'd you say, Ashley? I can't begin to describe the level of fanfic flashbacks I'm getting from this. Yeah. Just all of these uncomfortable vibes. But anyways, they talk, they talk about, um, you know, just Annie's powers, um, introduce themselves. Uh, they introduce their, Jean and Logan introduce their daughter as Shine. Um, I advise them to keep her away from hotels and twins yeah. and hedges. But, <laughs> so while they're, um, you know, after the introductions are complete, they, um, Charles tells Jubilee to go give Annie a tour and kind of show her around while he and the rest of the adults discuss, you know, his proposal that he wants to go over. So, uh, Shine comes with them because she's taking a real shine to Annie. 
I believe they do make yeah they do make that. Yeah, they part. do make that reference. Yeah. yeah. Jubilee How can you not? Like, <laughs> Jubilee looks like she hasn't aged a day <laughs> since. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, she talks to Annie about school and you know why it's terrible. Oh, you're just, just an ordinary school with ordinary people, and she's kind of starting to plant seeds of um of discontent in her to make her feel and, like, you know, you're going to be different. No one's going to understand you. You know, and Hey, and Hey, Jubilee's not a vampire. Yeah. Mm. Although she's got a really I, bad haircut with that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. This is the, the greatest opportunity to bring that back into it. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but no, Annie objects very strongly saying, you know, she's got her friend and, you know, she, you know, she doesn't want to be treated differently. She wants to think that she can be accepted by her friends too. And Jubilee's saying, "Well, if she knew about you, you know, she doesn't know about your abilities. Do you think she'd still like you if she did?" Um, it starts getting a little heated, but then Annie has a sudden another one of her premonitions, and she collapses. Um, back to the um, the school, Peter and MJ are going over. Um, Charles has just proposed to them he wants Annie in, you know, as one of his students to enroll in um in his school with the X-Men. MJ is completely against it. She wants to wants very much to have the normal family, normal life, make her feel as accepted as possible and not like she's gotta be this separate, kept away from everyone. So she it's, like, great- it's like Mary Jane knows how many times that school's been destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She's like, I might as well send her to live at the Baxter building. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's funny. Join the Future Foundation. She's absolutely against it. She storms out. Meanwhile, back with um, Jubilee and Annie. Annie's recovered and um, back on her feet again. They continue the tour. She's talking about her premonitions. Um... Jubilee's saying, like, you gotta let him know. And then it starts getting worse because Magneto and his gang have appeared and they've launched their attack. <clears throat> and he, um, I'm not quite sure what happens here. He has the, uh, Miss Mistress, Miss, Mist, Mistress. Yes. Say that ten times real fast. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Mistress, Miss Mistress, Miss Mistress. Okay, no, I can't. Um, <laughs> you know, wrap them up and, I guess, knock them out. Mm-hmm. But going back to MJ and the mansion, she runs into Scott, and this is awkward. Um, and he kind of gets stuck with the role of the expositor, and he explains, you know, everything about Xavier um, and what his goals are, and how he's kind of um, how they've kind of come to have almost a falling out. It seems he disagrees with him a lot about the kind of person he's become, and this is where we get a lot of world building about. Um, how this universe is different from the main one and what kind of um, events have shaped it. So essentially, um, instead of Civil War, as we know it happened, um, it almost came to that with the Registration Act, but instead, um, Xavier and the um, Avengers proposed an alternative where they would just self-police. And so Scott reveals that Charles contacting the Parkers... um, is just an extension of that policing that he's kind of trying to be accountable for Annie and kind of pull her into the fold so they don't have, you know, an unregistered superhero going around, um, essentially. Yeah. And <sighs> that's when he reveals that 
that's apparently that is why Scott and Jean aren't together, but mm-hmm. we don't really get much more on that. Um, they're going over it and kind of talking more about the uh, the decision and their feelings about that, but they can't come to a consensus because suddenly there's a huge kind of like psychic attack. Um, Jean collapses, says something about Cerebro. We don't get to see what happens to them because we come back to Magneto and Annie and Shine, who uh, Annie's just coming to consciousness and they're inside Cerebro. I suppose they somehow got teleported there or they Magneto brought them with him for some reason. I'm a yeah. little confused. It's not really made clear why Annie's there. But um, we pretty much get the plot of the first X-Men movie where Magneto's trying <laughs> to control Cerebro and use it and his plot to, uh, you know, have mutants take over humankind and right. take up their mantle. To be fair, that's and, the plot of know. most Magneto stories. So mm-hmm. pretty yeah, much. She, she's so, been brought there because Magneto's on a recruiting run. Yep. So this is pretty <laughs> much your, your standard dose of Magneto here. And um, Jubilee comes up and, you know, she's checking on Annie and, and he's like, you know, Oh no, they, you know, look out. I worry they hurt you. And, that uh, little girl, when, Kate, is pre- or uh, Shine, is precious there. Mm-hmm. Are you? Which, yeah, she's are cute. Are you? Are you? As long as she doesn't start saying red rum. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's when Magneto reveals that Jubilee was his, um, his, you know, mole on the inside, and that she was the one who got him the access codes to Cerebro. So <clears throat> she's been working with him the whole time, and he now has full control of Cerebro. Jubilee looks real happy about that, by the way. Mm-hmm. She looks like she just got caught with her hand in the cookie jar or something. That is the most like guilty looking face. Oh yeah, but she's she's definitely kind of like. Oh, Which I God. suppose if you got revealed as a traitor in front of a ten year old that you're just befriending earlier, you you yeah. feel like shit. But mm-hmm. yep. But yeah. All right. What's your grade on it? Uh, I gave it a B. Okay. No, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the the um, the first five issues. Mm-hmm. It had more flaws in it, but it was still, um, all of its strengths are still there. Mm-hmm. Just had a few more flaws that kind of brought it down for me. Okay. Let's go around the horn. We've got, uh, George, what do you like? What, what's I your grade? I gave this an A. Okay. JR? Uh, I gave it a B minus. I wasn't as enthralled with it as I was the prior issue. Okay. Mike? A minus. Okay. And Zach? I'm giving this a B minus. Okay, I will have to defer because I haven't read it yet. Mm, okay. Uh, so, um, any pros out of the out of the issue that we like? Uh, the artwork. Yeah, the artwork's yeah. really good. Especially yeah, segment was back. Yeah, especially with the um, when when they when they first arrive and you see all those cherry blossom petals like floating everywhere and everything. It's like I kind of like the fact. With statement, I like the fact that he puts in those kind of like those nice little touches and that atmospheric stuff in his scenes to kind of give it more to give it more of a mood and everything like that. You know, he is so detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he is so detailed. He's really stepped it up on this book. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, more so than amazing. Well, this is what I've I've said in the past. His artwork on this book feels much more like it did on the first parts of Kane Scarlet Spider. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that book he was it was dynamic and he, he, he the, the biggest problem with Superior in his amazing run was that he was inking his own work and now it's not a hindrance the way it was on that particular work 
Here yeah. it's actually a strength. Right. Yeah, and I also like the thing where because if you notice, like when you, whenever he's showing like the Magneto, Magneto and his brotherhood and stuff, the inking is intentionally rougher and a lot more kind of like sketchier and everything as opposed to like uh, when he's showing scenes of the Parkers where it's like looks a lot more polished. And I think that's a it's an interesting stylistic yeah. choice that he's using there to kind of denote like oh these are to try to denote like who the who the good who the good guys and bad guys are, which I thought was kind of which is an interesting which- technique. Right, it, it, it kind of it kind of re, rethink recalibrates your thinking on the superior work. Maybe mm-hmm. it was it was done that way specifically on purpose because Otto was the star and not Peter. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, the other thing I do like the world building aspect of this actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, this is a, because normally the first five issues. I mean, we we're focusing a lot more on Peter, but here this idea we're getting this of this idea of this larger. Marvel universe in here and how things are different and and even though Civil War didn't happen which is already a big plus you still kind of get this sense that there's kind of this really there's this subterfuge and kind of manipulative aspect going on here like that you almost feel like when Annie's showing up here that it's almost like she's being they're trying to indoctrinate her in a sense and that, which is something we don't really see often with the X-Men, essentially. Like, normally we kind of present the X-Men as, oh, that they're all, like, you know, wanting the best and everything for, you you, you know, like, pe- peaceful coexistence and stuff between humans and mutants. But here you almost get the sense that there's not that much love involved. And I almost get, and I don't know if it was just me, but I almost get the sense that maybe Xavier, in trying to make this self-policing thing, that he may have done something untoward in order to bring that about. Xavier? No. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no. I'm sure. So, yeah, sure. I'm sure. The I'm, same guy I, who erased Spider-Man's mind after he beat X-Men ass in Secret Wars three. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that Xavier. Yeah, there's there's just that there's just a little hint that even though he may not have used his mind control to force him, to, you know, but he's it almost like get. I wouldn't be surprised if in this universe he kind of used his tele- telepathic powers to kind of influence the governments to try to convince mm. them to see fine. Yeah. And that's why Something. Cyclops is so upset with him. And that's why, and, and then Gene actually went along with Xavier because that would explain a lot here. Like, because if, I like, like if Xavier as part of the Illuminati used his powers to stop civil war from happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would- I would actually, I would actually applaud Chuck for that. <laughs> yeah. By, by the way, is, is it is it is it good or bad that everybody's in their nineties garb from the nineties cartoon? Actually, mm. Oh, I actually like that because I think the ni- the Jim Lee designed costumes for the X Men. Well, maybe not for Jean Grey because I never liked that. But the um, but the Jean, but the um, but the Jim Lee because I always liked the Jim Lee Cyclops costume. Essentially, um, dude, that 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 Marvel Legends figure is like really hot right now. Mm-hmm. You can never find it on the shelf. The what, what, what issue? Code. What issue can't you find? No Marvel Legends uh, of Cyclops. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, they they, they did the they did the Jim Lee era Cyclops with this latest wave, and it no it, nobody's been seeing it on the shelf. The uh, mm-hmm. the villains look really cool though, especially Toad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but the other thing too, um, I mean, also I kind of like. And I like the idea too that there's like that the pit that Peter and Mary Jane they have that legitimate um, disagreement about Annie's future too. I think that's actually kind of even though we kind of know that Annie's not going to join the school, but it's still the way that that was handled. It's pretty you know pretty well done on on Conway's part. Right. Yeah, I, I was really on board with their their interactions in this whole issue, even though you know everyone knows I am not an MJ Peter Shipper. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not totally on board with the relationship. I, I really got a strong <laughs> hey. No, it's not happening. Um, I really, I'm really expecting. Like, I enjoyed to their be... banter in the beginning, yeah. especially with the surprise part, and he's just like under his breath, like I'm going to strangle you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it felt very, you know, very genuine. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, I I like that. Uh, there's a complete. This this marks the first real tonal shift for the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Away from some of the you know more lighthearted fare. I mean, people are getting whacked in this thing. Banshee oh, yeah. ostensibly dies in the beginning. <laughs> well, it's yeah, that's... a little strange too, because um, you know, typically with crossovers and you know the team up books, they're a little more lighthearted, kind of like one offs. But this feels like you know taking the story of one step further. You know, well, just despite that, that though, it, it, despite yeah, that, you ahead. never get the, you never not don't get the sense that this is this is not fun. This is still a fun book. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though it's going in a dark Tell that direction. to Banshee. That beginning <laughs> scene where, where Magneto kills Banshee, that I mean, and it's so and it's such like an undignified, inglorious manner, he just literally drops wow. something on him. I mean, that kind of shows you that, oh, this is this is a world where the stakes matter in a sense, because you're not gonna have these guys come back from the dead necessarily. That you know, I don't know that yet. Tell, well, tell Beast this was a fun tell, issue. Tell like Beast that with a smoking crater where his chest cavity used to be. Yeah, Beast <laughs> That's was funny. I mean, he's pretty much gone. Well, that's another reason why you can make this a good, good, uh, better Marvel. Oh, universe. my stars and garters. <laughs> well, if you've seen Beast in the actual Marvel Universe, who's been kind of kind of a hypocritical, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> well, it's already right. the plot. It, it, it gets to the point where Beast is yelling at Beast for reasons. Yeah, and, and it was but, it was at least it was it was like real beast and not the uh, you know that uh, that cat stupid beast. cat. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick, any other comments on this issue? Yes, go ahead. Uh, I like that Annie has sort of the same temper that her father does. Mm. Yep. Uh, when she when she kind of starts to go off on Jubilee about uh, you know when Jubilee's trying to tell her you know her friends won't like her anymore and everything and she she kind of goes off the handle. Uh, and the funniest line of the book, Scott Summers, I teach ethics. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed my ass off. Um, yeah, Scott Summers is like the second like biggest villain of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. I think. That needs to change. Behind Tony Stark. Stark. That, that needs to change. change. <laughs> funny, yeah. uh, comic Book Roundup uh, gives, uh, let's see, Court of Nerds gives it 10 out of 10. Uh, they right. said, uh, excellent, this is my X-Men, this is what I grew up on, and Stegma hits out of the park. This comic hits all the high notes, buy this book, buy this series, and buy it in hardback. This kind of book is what Marvel Comics needs right now. Uh, let's see, Superior Spider Talk gives it 8 out of 10. Their, uh, their summation is great. Hey, you got your X-Men and my Spider-Man comic. Jerry Conway introduces his version of Xavier's School. While uh, ASM Renew Your Vows might be frustrating for those who wanted a laser focus on the Spider Family, the X-Men Tour does wonders to build the world around the characters. We kind of said that, didn't we? Um, Let's see. The low grade on Roundup is uh, from IGN, 7.6 out of uh, 10. Let's see. That's still a B, a low B. Mm -hmm. Uh... 
While we're doing this, I like uh, the next page where it looks like Spider-Man's about to get two heaping handfuls of Magneto's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it would be Dude, a, yeah, it, it would be a treat if the X-Men became a regular part of this book, but it appears to be just part of the new storyline. Sometimes this timeline is simply more compelling than the one Marvel is offering in its prime universe. This is one of those occasions. Seven out six. You know, you know why? Because it's simple. It's stripped mm-hmm. away. There's mm-hmm. nothing. There's nothing superfluous, or there's nothing. Uh, there's no big giant mega crossover event. That's why yeah. people are are liking this book. That review sounded like a like a disgruntled X Man fan who's like, "I wish we could get something like this for X Man." Oh, I know. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I would if agree. If you've seen the state of the X Men books for the past couple of years, you know oh. why he would say that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts on this long, mega-sized, two-hour and twenty-minute recording. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, exactly. This is what happens when we skip a month. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. George, this final is all your thoughts, fault, sir. Douglas. Huh? <laughs> what my fault? I we couldn't get everybody lined up last month. George, What's final there? thoughts. Uh, consistently, uh, we see, we see it again this month. Uh, mm-hmm. The better book is "Renew Your Vows." Yep. Jr. Uh, I'm not looking forward to next month at all. That's sad and amazing. From, the, from the Goblin fan, yeah. Yeah. Ashley, final thoughts? Um, current Amazing Line just does not even feel like Spider-Man. Yeah. It's not even a matter of being out of character now. We're just completely out of setting. True, true. Uh, Mike? How ironic is it that the actual ama- that the, that the guy who feels like Spider-Man is actually in an alternate universe? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's yeah. so true. <laughs> That's so yeah. true. I want to read. Uh, yeah, that's the Spider-Man I like. Zach, final thoughts. Jr. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. I, I wonder why it's sucked in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, welcome uh, to my world. That's that's been uh, that's that's funny. been this way for the last yuck six yuck months. yuck. That Joiner Fettinger luck. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>